You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 44, Baraka da Womb. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, the show that puts up with way too much. I am Jim Purcell. I'm Raven Perez. And we are back again for a brand new episode. Uh, it, I have returned from my trials and tribulations, and Raven has returned once again from his. We are still incomplete, though. We're missing yeah. Craig. Craig is MIA, and I know Nick wants to come on more regularly, but apparently he's busy as well. Yep. Life continues to happen, but it is nice that there are four of us now that we can juggle this a bit better. You know, the Savage Fincast is also in real time. Yeah, so, yeah, we age in real time. We 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 have real events when when from issue from episode to episode a month has passed, probably yeah. more. <laughs> a month, yeah, a month or more. <laughs> um, actually, our turnaround on this one shouldn't be too bad. Although I didn't, I got to apologize. I went, I spent way too long sitting on your episode. I should have been up like a week earlier. I wanted okay. to listen to the whole thing because I did not trust you. But uh, then I got about half. Then I got about halfway through, and I realized, oh, this is fine. And uh, then I didn't forgot that you had actually written up the uh, write up for it, and I didn't need to write my own, and so I dawdled longer than I had to. <laughs> no sweat. Better yeah. late than never, I always say. Yeah, you actually did a really good job editing it. I'm actually very, very happy with how it came out. Hopefully, there won't be uh, any of the weird stereo voice for the listeners. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. I probably should have fixed that when I noticed it, but I also forgot. But um, there's a trick to uh, making it go mono that, unfortunately, you've got to learn by mistake, <laughs> by by doing. Um, my I believe if you go all the way back to episode zero, my first episode was uh, split stereo. Ah. And I know we got many comments about that. <laughs> if you listen to – the funny thing is, is if you listen to it back on a speaker, no problem. If you listen to it on headphones, it is like you have multiple personality disorder. Yeah. Because you got the one voice exclusively in the one – it's like the angel and devil on your shoulder gag. Yeah. Yeah, the the way it works is uh, with when uh, when our recording program records, the it records the the host on one channel and then everybody else on the other channel. Mm. So, uh, and did you have Nick record separately, or did you? Nick did not. Nick did not record separately. Okay, so it just wound up recording your half and then his a half, and then when you edited it, it was just two halves. So that would have sounded even weirder if there yeah, were like multiple people. Exactly. Oh. If there were three people and you did it the same way, you would be on one channel and the other two people would be on the other channel. Oh, yeah, that yeah. would have been horrible. That would have been much also noticeable. <laughs> well, never again, folks. Never again. You say that because <laughs> if you if you want to put the scenario with um, well it'll never be stereo again. Anyway, <laughs> um, rest easy, dear listeners. Yep. Uh, so how how did you uh, how uh, you you mostly edited it without any input from me? How did the experience go for you? I have to say, um, I have mad respect for you, Mister Purcell. Uh, e- editing these fin casts 
See, uh, there's not one human. Uh, that might be if ever robots or alien invaders come, that'll be a test to see who's human. Because no human on Earth enjoys hearing their own voice. Oh, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, so you have to sit there and listen to yourself for three hours, basically. Because even if the show is like... One, Only two. Yeah, even if the show is like two hours, you're, you're going to usually end up like listening to extra and chopping stuff out and... You know, re-listening to see if stuff was really necessary during right. that weird part. Like, me yeah. and Nick went on a jag that I had to chop because I was like, ah, it just went crazy. And at yeah. one point, of all the damn things, we recorded that show insanely late. Nick gets a fax at like... A fax? Yeah, a fax at like 2 in the morning. It's Marty McFly telling him he's fired. I was like, what is this? Like, why? What, for real? Even he was like, what am I getting? He, he got he got a you're fired fax? No, no. Oh, no, he just got a fax. <laughs> he just got a fax. Because Back to the Future Day was a few weeks, months ago. It was just so funny because, like, for he, even he was astonished. He's like, I haven't gotten a fax in Great Scott. <laughs> it's been years. Like, so. He's like, who could be faxing me? I was like, you have a fax? Like, so. So you cut all that out. Yeah, we cut all that out. Yeah. And like I said, it's just a nightmare uh, editing these things. Like I said, now imagine we had a guest on and we recorded an entire interview before we actually recorded the episode. <laughs> now you got to glue that in there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I have a whole new level of respect. Yeah, you'd be surprised how this isn't as simple as record it and then dump it on the internet. Oh, you you, you actually have to test for quality sometimes. And that means, first of all, you got to spend two and a half hours recording. Then you got to spend at least two and a half hours listening to yourself again. Uh huh. And then you put it up on the internet. Listening for weird things like dips and pops and pauses. pops, and clicks, and or even weird pauses like uh, motorcycles. With me and Nick, luckily we were just you know back and forth pretty much. But like if there was like if there's a group, and I know it happens sometimes with us, and Jim edits it out. So that you never hear it, folks. But, like, if there's, like, three or four of us, you know, we don't want to all be talking over each other. So sometimes they'll just hit a period of silence where everyone's just waiting for each other. Right. And Jim's got to go through and listen for all the little silences and, like, cut them out. And I'm like... Oh. Cut all the silences out. Like, and if someone, like, starts speaking and someone else starts speaking at the same time, but one person keeps going and one person stops, you added out that chunk of the person who started and stopped... So it doesn't sound like it's talking over each other. Oh, my God. It, yeah, and you got to look for all that crap. It's nuts. I mean, like I said, I have a whole new level of my FinCast appreciation is just even more. Now, I've started I've started using a, a fast forward tool that's part of the uh, editing program. OK, um, it makes it a little bit easier, um, but you still can't do it too fast because then you don't hear the pauses. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. It's fun to have you know more people able to do this because another bottleneck we have is that if there's only one person doing it and you know life gets crazy on them, it sometimes holds up the whole process, which is sort of what happened this time. And that's what I was hoping is that like in the future, if something happens in your court, I'll be able to jump in there and help out. Right. So that, that it's good. The more of us that can do this stuff. So that's hey, that's a little fincast upgrade for you folks. A little more stability. Um. Yeah. So. Oh, what was I doing? Have you been up to anything exciting lately, Raven? I, <laughs> you, I heard you mention it. You, you, you made the big decision to go turn your webcomic from color to black and white. I am. Well, excuse me. I ignored some very good advice 
sage wisdom from comic printing professionals. A legend, maybe. I don't know. It feels like it nope, came from... Nobody buys black and white comics? No, it came from Jeff Smith or somebody who did black and white, and they were like, listen, if somebody... I mean, it's conventional wisdom, right? Right. At least it used to be. It seems like everything is color now, but... Um, it, I, I read a lot of manga, so... Yeah, well, the funny thing is... see. Okay, let me explain. So the funny thing is, is this... Um, when I first started, when I relaunched in 2008, because when I started, I started in black and white for, oh. for the conventional wisdom reasons. Did, did you go back and color it all? Because it all looked colored to me. Well, I mean, I didn't like, I mean, that, the relaunch was in 2008, so that was in color all along. Oh, okay. But when I started putting comics on the internet, they were black and white. So the reason they were black and white is because, like I said, back then, the conventional wisdom was, this is what they would say if you were a new guy. If someone's willing to read something that's not Marvel or DC, then they're also probably willing to read it even if it's black and white. I see. So, yeah, because most indie comics were black and white at that period of time. Bingo. And when you do black and white, it's just insanely uh, cheaper and it's faster. Well, it's got to be less time-consuming. Con- time Very much so. Um, I mean, for me personally, I literally lose a day to coloring just like I lose a day. So it's going to cut my workflow in half. So I'm like super happy for all that. But like the main thing is, is that I ignored that conventional wisdom. Like I said, much smarter men than me. See, it's weird because your comic is so manga influenced. You'd think you'd want to, you know, <laughs> capture that black and white, you know, traditional style. I wanted to, but with the occasional color page, it's funny to say you were peer pressured into something that lasted for like eight years. Yeah. But I was peer pressured into, uh, coloring the comic. Cause everybody was like, everybody was like, uh, Oh man, no one wants black and white. Gross. You should do color. You're putting yeah. it on the internet. It should be color. And I was like, you're right. But then like, here we are. And we're, we're the long into the dojo's life cycle. The thing I've tried many a thing. And the only thing that really has turned any amount of money that is noticeable at all is books. Right. And so here we are. And I was like, and, um, not getting too personal, but I'm single now. So I'm able to crank out like a ton of pages. So I was like, man, for the first time in my life, I always wanted to do a book a year. And I'm like, here I am. I'm going to be able to do a book a year. And then I pumped my brakes. And I was like, oh my God, that would mean that I'd be on the hook for like $11,000 a year printing costs. And I was like, ugh, that's a nightmare. That's a nightmare from hell. So I, I kind of like the decision was like really huge for me. It's funny. It doesn't matter to like anyone else. The fans didn't give a shit. I put up this big announcement expecting all this pushback and it, right. everybody's like, cool. <laughs> no one, no one cares. I'm not going to lie. I don't read very many web comics that are black and white anymore. I used, most of them used to be black and white back in, back in the early two thousands. But, um, lately it seems like they've mostly moved color I think because digital coloring tools have gotten a lot uh, more accessible. Oh yeah, and easy to use. Manga Studio is fifty bucks typically. Well, I got it for fifteen. It goes on sale like once a quarter. Whereas photo fifteen, wow, Photoshop, yeah. which used to be the industry standard, and Manga Studios kind of jumped up there. Yeah, because it was a fort. Actually, you, uh, a human being could actually pay for it. Bingo, and so instead of a corporation, because you have. Uh, this program that is actually better than Photoshop for comics in a lot of yeah. ways. I think it has to do with that. You also have a lot of these new kids um, 
I can say that because I've been doing this since 98. A lot of these new kids will straight up just draw and do everything digitally. Yeah. And they, of course. they also like with the uh, tablet, you remember the tablet boom uh, with surface I, I, and iPad. I, I, I just bought one. I got a Wacom. Really? I, I like it a lot. And it's a cheap, it was a cheap ass one too. It's one of the small ones with a, you know, it's just a, you just draw on it. It's not a screen or anything. So there's a little bit of a detachment to it when you're drawing, but uh, I, I like it a lot. You can overcome that. That, that. Yeah, I, I've been overcoming it as I've been practicing with it. The, I, uh, I myself don't ever feel insecure about your cheap Wacom because uh, I've been running for eight years on a $70 bamboo. Ah, so uh, I bought a bamboo once, but I returned it because I at the time I couldn't quite you know master it. Uh-huh. But the new one I bought, I've I've made a lot more progress with. See, I don't know. Being I, able to rotate the page with just a you know hold down the button and click and have the whole thing rotate. Yeah. Actually, I think I think the, the what, what's made it more better for me is having Manga Studio because it's <laughs> it just works better than GIMP. It, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, GIMP. Poor GIMP is close, but no comparison to the guys like Manga Studio and Photoshop and. So I don't know. It is. It is. Everything I'm doing is completely backwards. Uh, I'm going black and white print. But like I said, you know, you got to look at like what's butter in your bread. Um, yeah. Everybody's doing digital. A lot of them have different business models. Like, you know, uh, sh- like you got to do what works for you. Kind of like uh, Michelle Fife is doing, you know, uh, his comic through an Etsy shop. No one. Would, what's that? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, Oh, it's a self uh, self publishing place. Uh, you know, uh, Zegas or uh, yeah, yeah, I know the comics. Copra. What, what's an Etsy shop? So, so that's what's so funny. Etsy is like traditionally associated with like hand hand created crafts. Oh, like you know, jewelry and fabrics, and it's very much that. It's not really anything you would think of as. Michelle Fife puts each staple in the spine himself by hand. <laughs> I'm just saying there's no path to glory. Like, uh, look at how much he's done by selling his book through an Etsy shop. Yeah. Like he didn't do like all the things everybody would tell you, Oh, you gotta, you gotta have a storify and you gotta integrate it into a website and you gotta have a hub and all that. No, you gotta be on comiXology. Yeah. Yeah. Shell. <laughs> yeah. Everybody. So there's no one set thing that works. You got to figure out what's going to work for you. And, for me, I have like hella production. I can crank them out black and white. Unfortunately, I'm not hella quick with coloring, so I was just like, eh. Right. I don't want to face a ten, an uh, almost eleven thousand dollar hurdle every single year. I want to. I also don't want to do. Oh, so you think you'll save a lot of money doing black and white books? I'll give you an example. Um, my book cost about eleven thousand dollars to print in right. color. Eleven thousand. Eleven thousand. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So eleven thousand dollars every single year, or two thousand dollars. Ah. Uh, I'm I'm on I'm on your webcomic. Uh, I guess you're gonna what? Wait till the end of the arc. I'm gonna finish up my current arc. Uh, there's roughly uh, it's an issue left, so there's like 32 pages. So right. the switch should happen around February or whatever. It's funny you can probably edit this out. Probably no one gives a shit. But hey, that's the biggest news for me is I'm going black and white, baby, and it's gonna give me all kinds of time to do fun little side projects. Hopefully that will trickle its way into things like you know there's a lot of stuff i want to do for like the fincast and just like you know as it is right now i pretty much spend my every waking moment that i'm not at my day job making the comic yeah 
And like, so even with like dragonfan.net, like there are days when I don't get to update that with news that I want to, because I have to crank out and hit a deadline. So, so hopefully you will see like just a little bit, everything just a little bit more stepped up. Like you'll see like, you know, dragon fan will always update with (laughs) never be late and shit like that. So it's exciting. I'll shut up. I've talked way too much. What's up with you, buddy? I've I've been playing a lot of Fallout 4. <laughs> yeah, and that that's basically been consuming me these last couple of weeks. Well, that's under, that's what those games are designed to do. I know, right? <laughs> I, uh, I I I was real bad about it too because um it came out a couple weeks ago on a Tuesday. Uh-huh. But if you did this thing where you like tricked your route your internet into thinking that you were routed through Sydney, Australia, you could unlock it a day early. Are you serious? So I went through all those hoops to get it unlocked a day early, just so I could play the fucking game a day early. <laughs> yeah, it, it was bad. That, that that that's pretty much the depths. Wow. That's you can sink if you get obsessed with something. You got a German Shepherd and named him Dogmate and kept yeah. kept him at your side while you played. I, I traded him in for a for a for a robot detective though, because he's the coolest character. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fun game. It's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi nuclear nightmare type. You know what's funny? First-person RPG. It's. I cannot imagine that there's a listener that hasn't at least had somebody in their life. Yeah, touched by Fallout. Touched by Fallout. Yeah, because I don't play games that much these days anymore. Yeah. But dude, I feel like I've played Fallout. I've seen so much about it. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big, big, big tentpole franchise. It is the Harry Potter of our times. I don't know if it's that. <laughs> you don't think there aren't going to be babies born named Dogmeat? Uh, probably not. There's been because Dogmeat has been the name of the dog since Fallout One in like 1996. So you're saying there's already babies named? Oh dog yeah, <laughs> very, very possible. <laughs> yeah, the dog is always named Dogmeat. It's a running gag. Well, that's fantastic. Um, no, it looks fun. Uh, I can't blame you because one of the reasons as a comic artist, you don't play games like those, dude. You you want to. I know, right? You you don't have time. You want to so bad. Like, yeah. And it's funny is there are web comic artists that totally do play. What you need to do is supplement your comic book drawing with Let's Play videos. <laughs> you know, it's sad. There are web comic <laughs> artists I know that are going that route. It's easy. Well, it used to be easy money. It's actually gotten a lot more pain in the ass these days because of how advertising has changed over the last couple of years. And that's how it used to be. Brother, you're talking to a dinosaur. I was around on uh, the Internet in 98, 97. And uh, yeah, that's the thing. What happens with advertising is as soon as the whole rest of the world catches on to your sweet little deal. Yeah, all the advertising revenue shrinks up and dries away. That's yeah, I'm sure. With, I'm sure web comics went through that. Oh yeah, uh, at certain points in his, its history. You used to be able to live, not well, not live, but like you could earn a sweet chunk of change. You at least pay for your overhead. Oh yeah, and now it's nothing. You, I mean, I might get like maybe twenty bucks a month in advertising. You're doing good. Yeah, and that's doing good, and that's what's sad. So, but like these YouTubers, they were buying houses in Beverly Hills and stuff by playing Minecraft. Right. And now it's like I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, now Fallout. Geez, it's funny. It's like, what have you been doing, Jim? Fallout Four. Okay. <laughs> It'll consume you, kids. <laughs> it is. It doesn't have one of those handy names like Minecraft yet, but I can. I can see. I did the Minecraft thing for a few months. World of Warcraft. I, I, I never got into World of Warcraft. I 
don't like game mechanics. They should just name it Fall Crack or, or Fall Craft or something. Like that, so, yeah. So we can call it Fall Crack. No, I'll do 120, 130 hours like I did with Fallout New Vegas, and then I probably won't touch it again for a few months. Until they release some expansion pack. Yeah, when the um, DLC starts rolling out. DLC. Then I'll probably... These days, they just they never let you go, Jim. No, they want my six my, my $8 every three months. If this was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode, or hell, these days, Supernatural... Game companies like that would actually be created by demons, and they yes. would use the games to harvest human life. Yes, because that's how it feels. All sometimes. those man hours to nothing. All the exact all. I could see the demon with his glowing eyes over like a, a fire pit or something, saying, "Think of all the wasted humanity." <laughs> but it feels good when you're doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's engrossing. <laughs> This is, this is good. The writing's pretty good this time. The game looks amazing, so I don't blame you. I'm not going to hate. If Craig was here, he'd be like, uh, video game. What's a video game? He'd be like, gross. <laughs> I hate video games. Yuck. <laughs> he's not anti-video game. He's just, he's got kids now. He's got responsibilities in his life. So Savage Dragon is the only, uh, 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 uh shit, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Pastime? Um, indulgence indulgence in his life you know but here's the thing you said the magic word he's got kids in his life so in another probably like three years or whatever his kids are going to be all like into vr games and i know right lucky fucking bastards some shit we don't even know about and so craig will be like have you guys played the new virtual reality and we're gonna be like no well I like I, I I really like what the Oculus Rift shit's gonna gonna do. I just hope it actually you know becomes affordable in the next few years. Everything it's all it's all you know. Hey, I got I yeah. got the. Uh... Oh, I also bought a PS3, so I finally got oh. you know with the with the last generation just in time. <laughs> just in time for this new one to be in its yeah. middle ages. I I I've wanted to get a PS3 for ages just because it's a Blu-ray player and it does Netflix and Hulu and uh-huh. plays a ton of games I'd want to try. So oh yeah. I wound up trading in a whole bunch of DVDs to my local used game shop and use that to subsidize getting one. Nice. So I got that too. Nice. Man, like you need more than one gaming diversion with Fallout. I know, right? <laughs> anyway, we've been chit-chatting about ourselves a little bit too much. We should probably move on. Uh, news-wise, we don't really have a ton of news, which is funny. Um, All right, so uh, the only you know tangent tangent tang, tangent bit of news savage dragon related news is um somebody released a fighting game character based on savage dragon for the fighting game engine mujin very exciting which is kind of cool and it's absolutely shocking that in the last uh how long has mujin been around like 1999 oh like, yeah it's old as raven's dojo it's all it's an old like 15 thing 15 years that yeah. no one has done a savage dragon character for it that's uh, why I'd, it's a big deal because a few a few years ago i went looking for char- image based characters and the only one i could find was two versions of spawn which i two yeah versions I, of spawn. yeah and uh so at the time I went, uh oh, I, I guess we're never gonna get a savage dragon fighting game character because i think it was at the time we were talking about like what if Savage Dragon was a fighting game? And I said, wait, let's find out if someone had already done that. And they hadn't. Well, but now they have. It's a, it's amazing. It's it's simply amazing that it, it really is simply amazing that it took this long. Um, because I would say that 
I mean, at least if you're into like a weirdo fighting game, cre- all right, real quick uh, to explain what Mugen is. What is for Mugen? Folks. Yeah, what is what is what is Mugen? What is Mugen? says everyone who doesn't you know video game. <laughs> so what Mugen is is it is an open source, 100% free, create your own 2D fighting game engine. So yes. they don't give you characters; you just download the program. And right. the tools are extremely crude and basic, but that is because with it you can create any kind of fighting game character as long as it is 2D that you desire. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it's primarily designed to emulate the style of classic Street Fighter or SNK King of Fighters or uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. Bingo. Primarily. Bingo. And so um, – in the beginning, in its infancy, Mugen it was in- all sprite rips, so it was basically street, all of them Street Fighter characters and, like Jim said, SNK characters. So, so uh, there's there's two basically. I believe there's two primary mentalities when you're making a Mugen character. Um, you're either going to try to make it as accurate to the official game as possible, or take a character and then make it as goofy as you want. And and what's so what's so cool is so like two D fighting it's not cool that two D fighting games are on the decline but like they're just super rare these days are they well they're way more I'm not gonna I won't go into it too big but right now is like pretty much the golden age of two D fighters they're more rare than the Street Fighter I can name five in the last in the last three or four years that are huge Street Fighter five of course Street Fighter five of course is coming up that's a big one yeah but that's three D King of Fighters. 14 is also coming out in the same time. 3D frame. sprites again. Uh, three, but no, no, no. We're talking 3D, about... 3D, 3D models doesn't mean it's not a 2D fighter. Okay, but it's relevant to Mugen though. Like, like, well, yes, for Mugen, relevant yes, to Mugen. Remember, Mugen is only going to be sprite-based fighters. That's true. So now think about how many sprite-based fighters there are. Well, there's none. Oh, is that there's skull? It, there's skull it, girls. It, 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 well, Skullgirls, and then there's um, there's a few like outliers like um, uh, Undernight, uh, Inbirth, which is a Jap- Japanese. There's a bunch of Japanese fighters like that. It became Aquapass and if you're talking Arcana about, Hearts. If you're talking about 2D, it, Blaze Blue is pretty much the biggest franchise that still uses 2D for, uh, sprites. Oh, it does still use 2D. Yes, it? Guilty Gear is now 3D sprites that look like the crispest 2D sprites you've ever seen. It's actually amazing what they've done with Unreal Engine. To make these 3D models look like 2D sprites. Yeah, Google it if you haven't seen it. Actually, it actually is really a Guilty Gear Xrd. <laughs> yeah, Xrd. Xrd. But um, no, Mugen like basically allows people to make their own 2D characters, 2D fighting games, a la Street Fighter. So it, the it still means you have to actually make the sprites, which for some people means it's it basically basically you have to draw these these pixel drawings and you have to draw a lot of them. So for a lot of people, it's easier to just rip them out of games that already exist because they don't have any artistic talent of their own. Or, but if you do have the time talent, saver, yeah, it's time. saver. Cause think too. all the time it takes to render. That's probably why. Well, I guess that's what I was trying to stab at is that original characters were not a huge strong point. So you had no, all of these characters ripped from mainstream games. And then once they ripped everything, then, like, it was kind of like, well, and I really feel that's why Mugen kind of, like, died down a lot. Right, because there's less stuff to rip. There's less stuff to rip, so it's almost like, well, our work's done here, and everybody yeah. moved away from it. But right, and it's not, a, it's not a great fighting game engine. There are better, if you're making an original fighting game, there are a lot better options. But, nevertheless, here is this thing that has been around for decades. 
Yep. And has an enormous, simply staggering amount of characters that are out there. Right. So there's hundreds, I'm sure, right? If not of, thousands. Mug- of what? Mugen characters. Oh, yeah, thousands. Thousands. Definitely. So you can get Ronald McDonald, and you can get Family Guy and Homer Simpson. And- Those are classic Mugen characters, Family I, I Back in, like, the early 2000s, like, Family Guy was, like, one of the first Mugen characters I ever downloaded. Really? Yeah, and uh, Leela from Futurama. <laughs> See, now I'm going to show my age. All my dudes were Street Fighter dudes and SK uh, dudes. So I was like, oh, I was like, that's so cool. I can have Ryu fighting Terry Bogard. Yeah, that's pretty much. Actually, right now I'm trying to build a, the perfect SNK versus Capcom fighting clash of <laughs> all the different versions of the characters. That's what I'm carefully trying to put together in Mugen right now. It, it's cool if you ever you, – and that's what it enables you to do is have your dream fighting game roster. And so if you YouTube it, if you don't feel like getting into it, it's still neat to see. Oh, you want to see – okay, I got the perfect thing. If you want to see Mugen in action, it's called SaltyBet.com. SaltyBet.com? SaltyBet.com. What it is is it's, it's a it's a Twitch – it's Twitch-based, Twitch TV-based uh, streaming of a Mugen – AI versus AI fight that every you know every um every matchup is random and then what you have the two AI characters fight each other but the gimmick is you have funny money fake money to bet on the fight to see which ridiculous character is going to beat the other character <laughs> and you try to make thousands of funny money dollars on these Mujin fights wow it's actually quite fun and addictive it's like cockfighting in the future only it's you know Bad fighting game rips. <laughs> well, to tie it to tie to bring it back home for Savage Dragon fans, it's kind of cool because there is for the first time in decades, out of thousands and thousands of characters, however the hell it took this long, and like like Jim said, there's two spawns. It's a miracle it took this long to get a Savage Dragon, and yet we have one, and he's actually pretty respectable. Didn't you actually play as? Him? I played around with him a bit. He's got a few. He's got a few missing components. He's got a pretty good, like, uh, he's got, uh, how do I even pronounce this? He's kind of a weird character because he's got, he's like Marvel vs. Capcom based. He's got the super jump. Uh-huh. Um, he's got six uh, six attack buttons, uh, three punches, three kicks. Um, all of his special moves are in the punches, though. He's got a forward punch, uh, a fireball motion, which is like a flurry of punches as he moves forward. And then he's got a projectile if you do a, a backwards punch. Uh-huh. Uh, he throws a rock. Um, but his kicks don't do anything. He's just got kicks. He doesn't have any special moves in his kicks, and he doesn't have an uppercut like a shuriken. Okay, which I think is is definitely missing. But he's definitely got some interesting ideas going on. He's got three supers, which is way more than he needs. I think uh, they all basically one's a one's a flirt. Wait, what is it? One's a I can't even remember what the supers are. One's a truck. I know he throws a squad oh, he th- car. Right, he throws a squad car as a, as a projectile. And then an 18-wheeler tries to hit him, but he pushes it back, which is a fantastic right. visual. That is pretty cool, yeah. And it's a, it's a really – basically the truck hits your opponent. So as long as the truck's on, on the screen, your opponent can get hit by it. So it's actually a pretty neat kind of uh, – a different kind of super. It's actually pretty creative. Uh, I can't remember what his other super is. I know he's got another one. I, feel I like think it's just a bunch of punches. Yeah, I feel like there's a bunch of punches. There's this police squad car, and then there is the 18-wheeler. Um, all in all, 
I think it's really amazing uh, that it exists. It's cool that it's out there. And if you want to even just see a YouTube video, there is a little like highlight video. If you just uh, Google or excuse me, YouTube the word Savage Dragon and then M-U-G-E-N is how you spell Mugen. You can see the video of him fighting Spawn, which basically shows you every single one of his moves. Yeah. So if you don't feel like getting into the Mugen world, it is a fun thing if you feel like getting into it. Uh, but if you don't feel like getting into it, you at least see Savage Dragon yeah. and his moveset. Uh, the guys that, what's cool. Hmm? I was just going to say the guys that made it, uh, they go by the handles of, um, I got it at right here, uh, Inforasi and Armin underscore IUF. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but uh, if, if this winds up hitting their ears, thanks. Super awesome that you made this. It looks pretty good. It is. Uh, I'm gonna play around with it. I'm gonna see if uh, see if it can be. In. I'm gonna see what it can do, and maybe I can improve upon it. You know, and that's the cool thing too about Mugen is that you know it's all open source. So if you got your Jim Purcells of the world that want to get in there and tinker around a little bit, you know, clean up a sprite, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So very cool. That's that's pretty much our only piece of news, though. Yeah. It? Yeah. Unofficial fighting game character has been quote unquote released upon the world <laughs> him and sasquatch <laughs> yes the, the guy the, apparently the guy made uh it was for a contest and he made like two characters he did like uh the uh, marvel character sasquatch as a second character i love the comments though because it's funny because people are like oh i love savage dragon all oh, amazing oh you know I, I, I remember that show a lot of <laughs> a lot of i remember that show so it's just cool to see you know, Savage Dragon fans, uh, you know, just all over in all different types of environments. It's neat. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. It's good. Mm. So trucking right along. Yeah, we got um, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do a interesting conversation. I think uh, we haven't done one. We didn't. You didn't get to do one last episode because you didn't have access to the emails. Right. And my apologies, folks. Um, but, uh, we have one for this time, uh, it was written by, uh, Nicholas, uh, Burgess. Uh, he says, hello, FinCast. There are Batman movies, Superman swimsuits, Spider-Man coloring books, and Hellboy vinyl toys. Dragon had a cartoon and some toys, sure, but what merchandise or adaptation would you have liked to have seen over the course of the history of Savage Dragon? And he goes on to say, I wish there had been a side-scrolling Savage Dragon arcade brawler in the, in the, uh, early to mid-90s. Uh, remember the X-Men and Simpsons and Ninja Turtle arcade games by Konami? Savage Dragon and his Freak Force buddies would have been a perfect match for that kind of game. Uh, well, how about you guys? Thanks for the great show, Nick. Well, we've talked about the the, the hypothetical Savage Dragon uh, <laughs> brawler. Uh, I think that would have been a fun game to have back in the early 90s. It definitely would have left an impression, I think. Oh, yeah. That would have like been Turtles huge. Game. People people still talk about the Simpsons arcade game to this day. Oh, yeah. Uh, to be fair, it, that game's fun, but it, honestly, when you have unlimited quarters, it's not as fun. Yeah, it ruins it a little bit. But um, other than you know the brawler or the fighting game we never got, or even like the Super Nintendo uh, game we never got. I feel like, like we've talked uh, games a bunch. Yeah, we talk about video games all the time, so we're going to talk about... Merch. You know, Dragon Underoos. <laughs> you would have liked Dragon Underoos as your choice? Uh, no, oh, okay. not me. <laughs> okay. And you know we were, we did get dragon pogs, so not those either. <laughs> I didn't know that. I believe there were savage dragon pogs. Uh, 
Um, Savage Dragon audio cassettes. Really? Dra- Savage Dragon rap. <laughs> Are you? So I keep waiting for you. It's funny. I feel like such a like Charlie Brown. Like I feel like I keep waiting for you to give your real answer, and every time you say one, I'm like, really? Oh wait, this is a trick again, isn't it? It's always a trick. <laughs> Savage Dragon. Um, shit. Um, honestly, I'm not really sure. I'm not. I've never been a big merchandise kind of guy. I've always found that, except for maybe toys, action figures that are well articulated, or video games, a lot of merchandise is kind of just cheapens the product. The product, and I kind of like. I do kind of like that. Savage Dragon has mostly avoided it. I do too. Um, I mean, just got to look at the Savage Dragon cartoon, uh, the quality wise compared to the source. I mean, it was neat, but it's not anything to remember or write home about. Um, I don't know. I think I'm trying to think what other things had that kind of point, like that wasn't cartoon TV show action figure. Well, that, that, what was there? Have you ever seen any just like merch that you're just like, yeah, yeah. Because almost um, it's almost I, I never think, yet. I think, way. I think you would need something like something neat, like a like a like a fin hat, <laughs> like a Savage Dragon fin hat. Oh my it's god! Like a, it's like a base. It'd be like a beanie, <laughs> but it had the fin on it. It would sell to no one. No. <laughs> That'd be something I want to buy. <laughs> you know. Uh, it is hard uh, because when you think of like other like Savage Dragon merch that's not toys or video games uh, or putting an image on clothing of some type, it, it does get into the um, like, you know, Starship Enterprise pizza cutter <laughs> where you're just like, huh, someone has that. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think Savage Dragon handle a prose book series? I think that it could, because I've always thought Savage Dragon had just a gigantic world. So you could definitely yeah. like write something. I mean, if you wanted to, I think you could, because there's just so much out there. I tell you, I mean, I hate to feel like be this way, but there's almost always someone that I was wishing we were seeing more of. Yeah. So I think it could support a prose. If you wanted prose of it, you could. The, 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 the nine... Uh, the nine book sequence, low below adventures. <laughs> you Charlie Brown me again, you bastard. I'm missing the foot. Only, only this time I'm serious. Oh, sorry. I would read books about low blow. You would you really? Maybe. I would listen to audio books about low blow. Like with celebrity um, voice acting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, well, there's like a, I go back to this again. Uh, there's actually a whole bunch of like audio, not audio books, but like radio dramas of like Judge Dredd. Okay. Yeah. Radio, radio dramas. Like, like there's like Doctor Who based ones and like, like, um, I think Star Trek did a few. Um, yeah. Of course, you look at Star Wars. Star Wars has is the more merchandise market tapped in terms of like, Oh, uh, there's spin-off, spin-off fiction. There's literally nothing that doesn't exist either. When you're talking about like, Star Wars, everything—it's—it's it's all existed. Yeah. So they've merged that out. Like, I think the merchandise I would really want though are Savage Dragon spinoff comics. I, more than anything, yeah. More than which we've talked about. 
too. Yeah. But I think our dream spinoffs. Yeah. I think it honestly, like I have to agree. I did manage to cook up something, but I mean, it took a lot of effort for me to think of something that was not a toy, a video game or close. Savage dragon brand, craft Mac and cheese, <laughs> little fins. You know, I would eat those. I would eat that. That's my answer. No, I'm kidding. Oh, you know, oh, I just thought of one. What's that? I just glanced sideways and I looked at my uh, DVD shelf and it suddenly clicked. Uh The Savage Dragon anime. No, you know, you weren't kidding. Um, Craig told me to go look at the... Remember, I never watched a cartoon. Yeah. So Craig told me to go watch the intro to see the... He was like, the animation of the intro is amazing. He's like, after that, it's all terrible. And so I watched the intro and, you know, like most of the cartoons, they sunk a lot more money into the intro than the rest of the show. So the intro is really amazing. And then the whole time I was watching it, I was like, oh, my God, I would love to see, like, if they could keep that level of quality. Right. Like, I would love to see Savage Dragon. Just a, you know what? All right. We keep acting like we don't know, but. Witchblade got an anime. Even a yeah, a Savage Dragon animation, just a twenty six episode series or something. Yeah. Even if they did a DC style like just a film, where it's like forty minute film. Yeah, forty uh, um hour and a half. Hour and a half, like direct to DVD. Yeah, Paul Dini yeah, style. Yeah, you could do that. I would watch that in a fucking heartbeat. Trouble is, it'd probably be CGI these days. Doesn't have to be. DC's doing all kinds of hand animated stuff. <laughs> well, that's true. I would support. You know what? I think. So what's your idea, Raven? I am going to say... What did you come up with? Can I just say that that is some merch that I would hardcore support is animated movies. Animated Savage Dragon movies? I would Hell watch yeah. the shit out. And you know what? You could, you could like, you could like try to get like other image partners involved and do it like a, like a, like an, not so much an anthology, but like different releases. Like you have a Savage Dragon movie and a Spawn movie. Oh yeah. And, uh, and uh. Absolutely. And a, a Saga movie. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm and Invincible and and Walking Dead. Of course, Walking Dead rights are probably locked up tight now. You know what? Now they probably are, but Kirkman's still the owner. That's if true. Kirkman wanted there to be a Savage Dragon Walking Dead animation crossover, no, right. no one's going to tell him no. He's the owner. So I would love, love, love to see, like, you know, we've never seen an animated Madman. You could even just do, like, the World Tour series where, like, you know, he's just running into all those... Oh, that'd be fantastic. That would be... Yeah. That, so, I think, roundabout, your idea stomps my idea. But the one thing I managed to muster up, because I was like, well, I would, I would do that. I would play that. It's still a video game, but there's a Savage Dragon... If there was a Savage Dragon visual novel... Ah. Where he is a policeman... A policeman, yes. That goes around finding waifu. <laughs> well, you know, like, you like Angel and Rapture and Rita. I hadn't thought about and it. And Alex. I hadn't thought about it. Oh, you bastard! Oh man, I ruined it. <laughs> no, no, you know it's so funny. The Savage Dragon Dating Simulator coming to a PC near you. <laughs> What's so funny is that genre lends itself to only two things, really: crime like murder mystery style yeah. and dating and savage dragon is like a ladies man and a police officer. It actually would work. I think pretty well <laughs> dating you. <laughs> Which girl will you pick? <laughs> will you take Alex to the theme park? 
There are probably a lot of people who are confused about what the fuck we're talking about. I don't know. When you say that everyone knows what a dating game... No, I'm kidding. It's, it is weird and niche. Uh, it's, it's very, very niche. There's a Japanese... There's a style of text-based mostly. Uh, Japanese predominantly. There have been other... There's Western developers these days. Very narrative-driven. Extremely narrative. As in, you are looking at typically static images with text. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure novel with graphics where the primary goal is to date somebody. And the only other type of genre, dating is so popular that it almost dominates the genre. Right. The only other type of genre that has even a remote like level of frequency in that medium is right. crime and murder mysteries. Right. Because and like horror murder mysteries. There's a lot of there's a lot of horror themed ones. Well, too. because mainly uh, it lends itself so well to talking. Right. So uh, people that don't know what we're talking about, that's that's it. You can uh, Google visual novel. Google visual novel, yes. Yeah, you'll see a ton of them. Probably the most popular. Google waifu. The, <laughs> maybe don't Google waifu. <laughs> Unless you like that, and then cool, good for you. No, what's funny, though, is that like um, maybe people have heard of Phoenix Wright, the lawyer game. That's actually yes. really popular. Yes. So Phoenix Wright is a visual novel. So yes. if you ever heard of the lawyer game, Phoenix Wright, that is actually like tremendously huge. And that's a visual novel. So I know that it seems like a stretch because Savage Dragon is so action based. Right. But because he is also a police officer and also there's a ton of girls, it actually would lend itself to that really well, I think. Oh well, that's. I think yours is better. Animated movies, Jim. You win. You. I don't know. I think that Savage Dragon dating sim has legs. <laughs> Get the Kickstarter ready. <laughs> oh my God, coming 2017. <laughs> All right, we've got a lot to talk about in terms of Savage Dragon and Eric Larson in general this episode. So I think let's uh, truck along. Let's truck along to uh, the latest issue of Savage Dragon. Maybe we do some fan mail real quick. Okay, well, okay. Do you want to? Should I? Yeah, go ahead. I, I just thought we were running long, so... We are. Maybe. We'll just try to knock this out as quick as we can. All right. All right, this is fan mail from Satiris Gravis. Fincast crew, sure, listening in on private conversations when riding the subway or wiretapping people's phones has its moments or merits, but nothing beats the lambent, light-hearted humor and coruscating commentary of your alluring transcendent podcasts, which both ennoble and enrapture the hearts and minds of the souls of those fortunate enough to be made privy to such eloquence. Conversant with comics... Not even the bard himself, William Shakespeare, could more deftly adduce the elevated exploits inherent to prison sex in more pithy manner. Brava, good sirs. Raven, you always crack me up, dude. That's so different than the other tone. <laughs> when it comes to chortled prison sex comments, a.k.a. anal anecdotes, all I can say is more please. Don't be stingy now. You should consider being a stand-up comic, as well as playing your comic craft genius nick as expected you did the podcast justice quote unquote <laughs> love it 
That virile voice, vibrant with masculinity, is a benchmark by which all others should be measured. If you're so inclined, check out Daniel Close's Caricature, which tells of a haunting tale of a struggling caricature artist. You could even review it on a future broadcast. The only downer was that missing were the two pillars of this regular podcast. In the way of James Purcell and Craig Olson, their conspicuous absence was sorely felt throughout the world in the form of a plungent dose cry, a will reverberating across both time and space, even though space is a vacuum. I gotta say, I'm somewhat envious of your strong American-sounding names, which I equate with TV game show hosts, or specifically, an announcer for The Price is Right. I hope all your comic book connoisseurs can reunite come next time. Maybe even Eric Lawson could drop by. Gentlemen, your podcast is akin to a placating panacea, a much-needed nepenith that counteracts the ills of this wretched war-torn world. Okay, I may be exaggerating a wee bit, but it's the sentiment that counts. Sincerely, Sotiris Gravis. P.S. Fracka cack. P.S.S. Whose cack do I gotta suck to get a frickin' Raven t-shirt around here? No worries. Alright, I gotta tell my audience... I, I promise you, this is a real letter oh, yeah. that we received. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's certainly the most eloquent letter I've ever received. It's more... It, I like how you transitioned to British halfway through there. I realized it was probably most appropriate. <laughs> it was the V for Vendetta V alliteration scene for the whole letter. That's how I felt. No, it was fantastic. I love it. Don't change a thing, baby. Keep those letters coming in that same manner. I just couldn't. I'm sorry. Even if that's all we say, I want to say thank you for writing because I truly appreciate. Don't you just doesn't that letter just warm your soul or just like make you laugh? Yeah, you were sorely missed, you pillar. Yeah, I'm a pillar. All right. You are a pillar. A pillar bug. Uh, you've been known to stand still for hours and support things. <laughs> At any rate, we'll let yeah, it go. Thank, yeah, thank you for the letter. All you have to do to get a t-shirt, FYI, is propose a interesting topic. So next yep. letter you send, propose a topic of conversation. Um, we are actually probably by the time this hits not going to have another FinCast. For, there might be one more for 2000. No, it probably won't hit before the end of the year, will it? For what? The chance to get a t-shirt for the 2015 designs. Oh, um... You think there will be another... Opportunity? Opportunity? What is this, the end of November? End of November. May maybe. So, here's how it works. The winner of the t-shirt this time was Nicholas Burgess. Thank you so yes. much, Nicholas. Please let us know your t-shirt size, your address, and your color preference. You can find the colors on the... Uh, We'll email it to you. But uh, thank you for writing that interesting topic. Send us your shirt size and your address, and you are the winner this time. Um, Satoris Gravis, if you want to win a T-shirt, or anyone who would like to win a T-shirt, uh, the 2015 design is going to be retired. Uh, if there's one more episode, there will only have been eight people in the world who get that T-shirt, and then it's done. We're rolling out a new one in 2016. So... It's limited as hell. Just saying. 
Yeah. So, get, so uh, get those uh, interesting conversation topics in, and you might get your chance at least uh, this year or next year. Yeah, we'll move along now. I just could not let that letter go by. It was too good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> you would. <laughs> Sorry. So let's get to the meat and potatoes. When you say it's meat and potato time? Yes. So, uh, Savage Dragon uh, 209, it's a wedding bell issue once again. Ooh. We've had a few of these over the course of the series. Uh, two previous, at least. Mm-hmm. Well, plus, uh, I guess, uh, that um, Barbaric and Ricochet's wedding was also another wedding issue. I've learned way too many times to not try to remember things on a podcast. Yeah, It is always uh, terrible. <laughs> Eric definitely likes getting his wedding issues in when he can. Well, uh, they're always so fun, and uh, this episode is no different. Although, we'll expl- I'll explain for later reasons why it, b- it blows my mind as a Savage Dragon wedding issue. Yeah. Isn't it almost the anti-Savage Dragon wedding issue? Some In some ways, yes. In some ways, because normally, and we even speculated on the podcast, normally, whenever there's a wedding issue, someone's going to die. Huh. <laughs> the, the laugh, huh? So no, I'm just trying to remember the last few weddings. I think I don't think that many people have died. Don't you at weddings? I, I know. Well, uh, doesn't usually the vicious circle kick down the door or something. At least someone tries something. Uh, I don't recall when when Dragon married uh, um, Jennifer in the in in the second time. I think that one went pretty off, went off pretty well. Oh, really? I don't think anyone died at that one. So, imposter as Jennifer got blasted in half, right? Right. That was that was a big deal with the first wedding. Okay. It was impo- well, Jennifer got blasted, but it was actually imposter. And then Ricochet and Barbaric's Ricochet and Barbaric's wedding was the one cram packed with all the cameos. Right. Now, I think there was a fight, but I don't think anyone died. Okay. No one died. There was just a, a brawl. And so it may have been a brawl at the second dragon jennifer wedding but i don't recall anyone dying okay maybe i hey maybe that was that was that was right either in the middle or the start of like the quote-unquote family era oh okay well then nobody would have gotten blown in half okay yeah although to be fair that period didn't last very long actually it's misremembered in some ways it was actually had some fairly violent scenes in it throughout it really yeah it did didn't it um, yeah, yeah. To what you're talking about. You're, I'm talking about like, yeah, but it'd be like issue 100 through like 109. Oh, yeah. That, it basically, oh. it basically, it, that period basically ends when Jennifer beats Death Seed to death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a funny. And, and the lummox comes through when when Alex stabs him to death. That that pretty much is the cue that that period ended. And it's funny because uh, it is funny that you are correct. I remember the family era finger quotes as being yeah. so long. That's only nine issues. That's not even a full year's worth of issues. Right. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, this this episode, uh, you know, I just got to say, I love that we get to uh, see. I, it's not raunchy, but it's it's just kind of a shocker just to see Maxine standing there with her dress up so high, her yeah. pregnant belly out, <laughs> and, and the device. Which has no explanation, I don't think. It has no explanation, because last time I checked, Rex is dead. Yeah, Rex is dead. You can so you can guess that... My big question mark is, where did she get it? Maybe Lorella, but it's funny, because no one, 
mentions where it came from the whole episode. Right. The only logical source would be Lorella, who would know something of the biology going on. But uh, I, I, it was funny because it was like, you know, there it is, and they don't mention shit about where it came from. But uh, I, I love that opening panel because it's subtle as it's just this t- you know tiny little panel. It's not a big gratuitous belly shot. Poke. And yeah, they, yeah there it is. <laughs> so she's pregnant as shit, about to pop, and uh, her and she's uh, apparently Maxine. You know, she's a cool chick, but yeah, she is a damn troublemaker, isn't she? Yeah, well, she is trying not to. Uh, she didn't. She intentionally didn't invite Maxine to keep the trouble to a more minimum amount. You mean Tierra? Tierra, sorry. Yeah, sorry. But you know, she says Malcolm didn't want me to. So doesn't that seem like if it was up to her, she'd have had her there? That's a good point. <laughs> uh, also, we learned that dragons. Uh, I mean, Malcolm bust a nut like through a condom. So spermicide cannot stop the seed of the chosen one. Is that true? Where, where does it say that? She says we use protection. Oh, he's just potent. He's okay. just potent. That's all. I see. I see. They don't elaborate if it was just like, you know, a bust rubber or yeah. if he's just that damn good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm... <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really jive with this issue that much. I mean, well, that, it was, that makes for good listening, man. What didn't jive for you? I don't know, it just, I don't know, it just, it felt like it could have been told in a lot less pages. Okay. Just because there doesn't, there's no drama, honestly. So. I mean, it all looks good, of course, and it's just people, you know, talking heads. What's so funny I, is that for me. That was kind of the reason it worked. Yeah. It, it is a bunch of talking heads. And it's funny because I did wonder, I was like, man, when we get a FinCast this, um, it's not like, you know, you can even say a bunch of things happen because it's a lot of character moments, right? It is a lot of character moments. A lot of characters we haven't seen in a little while. Uh, some interactions. Basically, it mostly worked to remind me that there's all these characters that I wish we'd see more often. I mean, ties right into what we were talking about. It's funny because it's like you see PJ and Thunderhead and, you know, even Maxine's parents have been out of commission for a long time. Uh, you got like Tierra's little baby girl and yep. who has a, just such a weird way of talking. Like, I wonder if she's going to grow up to be autistic or what. Like, I mean, just, she's just so weird. But uh, even, like, don't you later on get to see, like, Janie and the twins? I mean, Janie is one of the twins. Aren't the twins Janie? You get to see the twins from Dimension X. Right. And you even get to see the ugly uh, Rita and uh, you get to see the ugly twin and the good. Yeah, the Johnson twins. Yeah, the Johnson twins. And what's funny is the ugly twin is uh, not as he's not as ugly as he was when he was a kid. It just seems to have a jacked up nose. But yeah, but no, for me, it's funny because. I was like, as I read it, my first reaction was to be like, oh, it just didn't didn't too much happen this time. But, you know, it's well, you know what it is. I mean, I guess without like jumping straight to the like. The meat and potatoes of this issue, the the big thing that happened, I guess. Yeah, I I feel like the whole rest of the issue was just contrast for that moment. 
Right. So it's of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. And I, I mean, definitely because you keep waiting for. It's, <laughs> of course, it's Savage Dragon because every time you turn a page, you always go, "Okay, whose head's going to explode this time?" Right. Right. So that so that for me, like I said, when I called it the anti-wedding issue, it is funny because basically it is just a, a successful normal wedding. It is no vicious, ultimately. no vicious circle, no. And I kept thinking, you know what I kept thinking? I was like, this makes Dart the worst vicious circle leader ever. Right. I mean, it's either a suicide mission to attack those weddings, and then it never goes well. I mean, I don't know. Shit, the imposter got blasted in half. They thought they were killing Dragon's wife, so that would have been a pretty successful hit. But I'm just saying, it's so funny because, like... I, like you, just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen. I got to say, if the big thing didn't happen, I probably would have been pretty down. But I felt like... Yeah. I will say the ending definitely, you know, drives things forward. It definitely is an ending. I feel like it works so well with how... I'm not going to say mundane, because I enjoyed all the character moments. Right. But, uh, you know, hey, people weren't fighting. (laughs) <laughs> um, I will say the biggest surprise was that Alex was at the wedding. Yeah. And they, that was, that surprised me the most. They didn't let dragon out either. No. F- well, that didn't surprise me. I figured they wouldn't. Didn't you think he was going to show up the last second and be like, congratulations, son. No, I felt that would be that. I, I think that would, I don't think that would work. I don't think that would make any sense. I was surprised. So I, I didn't expect him to show up. I was surprised he wasn't there. I am surprised we didn't get like a moment with him, but, uh, there, you know, so let's talk about, since it was character moments before we get to the big meat and potatoes. Um, so, I mean, it's okay. I mean, we're, we're not the, uh, this isn't the savage fan cast. I mean, you're here to honestly talk about how you feel. So, um, would you have liked to have, we'll talk about the character moments you liked because there's a character moment that I was over the moon for. I was super happy for. Right. Um, but, um, was there, did you, would you have preferred? See, cause to me, I thought it was like, okay, you sly dog, because there was no like action. Right. It, it kind of like fucked with your expectations. I would rather have my expectations betrayed th- right. than get what I was expecting. So if, if like, just as Malcolm was about to say, I do like, you know, dart and the gang, like kick down the door. Yes, it would have been action, but I also would have been expecting it. Yeah. So I was kind of cool that it just basically was a wedding. What would you have preferred? Um, I don't know if I prefer anything. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to explain. I think I don't know. I can't really explain what why this issue didn't click with me. I mean, it's fine. It's good. And I did I did like the moment where they were doing their vows and it got super religious. <laughs> And because it's, it's one of those moments because, you, you know, Eric always, you know, he pokes fun at religion fairly often. So right. here's the here's them having the wedding and them doing like a very, very religious, traditional service. Mm-hmm. And they even call themselves out on it that, whoops, we probably should have done our own vows. <laughs> right. Another good call. Another good character moment. Um, So that's that was kind of funny. I like that bit a bit, uh, quite a bit. Um. Not, and of course, I like you know seeing you know characters that we don't see very often, like the the Janney twins and the Johnson twins and uh, Rock and uh, Widow and who else was here and Alex, of course. I um I guess I'm 
uh, surprised there were like no like uh, cameos, super cameos. Maybe it's something he's well, already it makes, done. Well, it, it actually makes sense that there wouldn't be because Malcolm hasn't been active for very long. He hasn't built too many relationships outside of his, you know, his his circle of his father's friends. Um, honestly, because he's mostly been himself and Angel and Maxine. Um, you know, he hasn't he hasn't had any adventures with uh, Invincible or Spawn or anybody yet. You know, young. Are you still there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, there's no reason for young blood to show up. I was surprised that they weren't, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's a uh, yeah, it's a it's a basically like a. It's not a celebrity wedding. Yeah, it's not. A, it isn't being treated as one. Even though he is supposed to. Though be a he celebrity. is a celebrity, yeah. you're right because he has. It has been indicated. So you kind of, you do wonder where the the you know paparazzi is that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's maybe the thing. Just maybe we're just not seeing it. Of course, they do call. At the end of the wedding, they do say no paparazzi. Um, oh, okay, okay. That's right. They do mention there's no paparazzi when they get to when they get to Hawaii. Oh, okay. And, and Maxine's actually disappointed that they're not being bothered by people with cameras. Oh, all right, right. Which is actually kind of funny. No, I'm. I, that's the thing is like I was I was like huh I was like no vicious circle, no like sleaze bag reporters though. I was like all right. Um, I do find their uh, Maxine's parents uh, not going ballistic to be suspicious. Yeah, and they don't even really talk, do they? No, they. Well, you either 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 they're really uncomfortable and they but they don't want to make a scene because they're not those kind of people, or Spider Slayers, uh, uh, Dragon Slayers Two are in the works. <laughs> I was amazed. I was amazed they didn't get any words. Like they didn't even get to talk. There was no words. I just flipped through. They didn't get to even say. They didn't say. It. I respect there was going to be a moment. I didn't think that he was going to get their approval, but I honestly thought that if there was going to be drama, as I was reading it, I was thinking, oh, okay, so this is going to be more of a uh, personal, normal interaction type wedding. Yeah. I thought they were going to be the source of the drama, and so what we have here is, like I said, like. I was just like, wow, he didn't get shit on by anyone. Even Maxine's parents, who were going to be the shitty people at the wedding, were they just sat there in silence. So I'm just like, yeah. ah. I was trying to figure out who this blonde guy is, but I think I finally figured out. I think it's, I think it's Daredevil. Oh, yeah, the handsome guy behind. Uh, yeah. Okay, I, you know what? I'm, I think that's the, behind Mrs. Darling, I think. Right, I'm glad you said that because I would have never actually made that connection. Yeah, they they never mention who he is, but the only person he could possibly be is Daredevil. Do you know who the sinister-looking bastard behind the Johnson twins is? Uh, Is he sinister? I guess he's just random rando. Rando. Well, okay, and the other thing, uh, the other person I want to... Should have been John Day. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, John Day's on the. Look who's behind Alex. Boom. Same page. Oh, yep. There's John Day. You know, uh, who is the chick with the mole on her lip? Is that someone? I was thinking, I was like, who is that? Oh, that's um, that's uh, Rock's daughter from his first marriage. See, this is where well, she 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 first appeared in Rock House, the Rock House Diner backup back way back. Okay, this is where my mid coming in and collecting out of order stuff betrays me. I see. I see Feasel, and I see Feasel. I see like all kinds of characters. I just didn't recognize who that chick was with the big mole on her lip. Yep, I'm ninety percent sure that's who she is. Oh, you're good, man. Rock's first marriage daughter. That's crazy as shit. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, she came into 
she joined up with the Rockhouse Diner crew at at a certain point. I think when her mother died. Oh, you're good. Um, I I guess I, we're at the point where it's okay to talk about it enough uh, that. Uh, oh, well, I'll say yeah. this before I say that. Uh, you know, I hope Tierra's daughter grows up to still be a good character because she's so cute as a kid. Yeah, um, definitely. But uh, looks like Kevin. Looks like old uh, Thunderhead's about to hook up with uh, Nancy. Yeah, she's uh, one of Maxine's friends, right? Yeah. We'll see where that goes. Uh-huh. You hope she's not trying to, you know, uh, break his heart or nothing, but here's hoping anyway. Yeah. Here's hoping. Hope, I hope there's a happy ending for old Skullface Jr. Um, What else is there to say? What else? What else? Not too, that's the thing. Sadly... Even though I did enjoy it, I, I didn't actually feel like it was lacking or anything. Like, I, right. I like Frank's speech, and I love, like, you know, just even though, like, I feel it feels like, you know, even like, you know, Mac, or, uh, Angel's little thing about live every day as if it's your last and every night as if it's your first, which is funny because it's kind of like a, you know, kind of a naughty little joke there to make with the parents and everyone around and yeah. there's that great i just feel like there was lots of good comedy and character moments but you know it doesn't lend itself to you talking too much about like oh this happened and that happened so uh no nah, it's cool i i'm I, I was pleased with it all um i guess then that's daredevil you know dropping uh props on uh him to maxine's parents Right. And, uh, okay, see, that helps me, man. I didn't realize who the hell that was that was talking to them. I was like, who the hell is that talking? Like, should we know that guy? <laughs> I was like, I thought it was just some random person, you know, like. It was just yeah, like a, like a police officer or something. Yeah, just I thought it was just more more twisting of the knife of everyone enjoying this and being proud of Malcolm. But uh, now that's actually Daredevil giving them props. Okay. So, no, the cake-eating scene, I mean, you know, hell, I've been to a million weddings in my life. It was just kind of funny to see, like, you know, the garter scene and the bouquet and the cake-eating scene. You know, I thought all that stuff was hilarious and good, and I'm down with it. I, w- I was pleased that it made it in there. Um, they're setting up hardcore for 210's Tiki issue with their little... Yeah. There's just not too much you can really say about that. Then well, we might as well, I guess, just move to the meat, the, meat the, the, the big the big uh twist to this issue yeah this is that blew- tiara was pregnant yeah this blew me away i didn't see this shit coming at all i didn't see that's what i'm talking about turn a page baby bust out of your stomach and in fact see that's why it works for me jim that's why it works for me because i was like huh i was like there's just really not gonna be a thing this issue okay huh and then you get – I did, was not expecting Tierra to be the source of this fucking madness. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the chosen one's kid. And, and it's pretty disturbing the way it, 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 it it's still attached to her and drags her out of the train. Dude, that was some – when you feel – see, that's why this issue worked for me. Okay, it's time to get excited. So, okay, so the whole issue is like your big fake out. You think something's going to happen at the wedding. You think the wedding's going to be like the big, like vicious circle's going to kick down the door and something crazy's going to happen at the wedding or Maxine's going to go into labor during the wedding or you think 
something like that is going to be where that comes from. And I don't know why, but when I saw Tierra crying on the subway train, I thought it was just yeah. one more broke. I thought, oh, next time we'll see her, she'll be yeah. on her way to see the power broker. Or maybe yeah, she's- well, she's she you'd think she's crying because she's listening to all these kids gossiping about you know Dragon's wedding. Hell no, she's getting the aliens one you know dinner last yeah. supper. <laughs> By the way, ooh, I've been sitting on this. I've been waiting for the fincast. You know the sound effect that should have been there? What? Bracka womb. Bracka womb. <laughs> I don't think there are any sound effects in this issue. There wouldn't need to be. No, not for the wedding. Yeah. I am fl- I'm I'm flipping through. I don't see no. But uh yeah, Bracka womb. <laughs> Yeah, the baby crawling was just so insanely... That was so disturbing, dude. That was like... I was really... And you think after all these years that you can't be freaked out by this book or that it can't... Right. Because we've seen people get their heads cut off and, like, people cut in half. And you've seen, like, you know, like you said, Alex stabbing a guy to death, basically, in her underwear. and Yep. Just so much crazy stuff. And they've talked about the Chosen One's baby killing its mother. They've talked yep. about it so much. And... I don't know why, but I always envisioned that she, they've even said the words come bursting out of you. And I still thought of it as like vaginal birth complications. Really? Yes. I don't. I've always, I've always imagined it this way. I don't know why I never imagined. I feel like such a schmuck. Trying to think rapture had complications because of this, but they managed to, she had a premature baby to save her. Oh, I believe that's what happened is in order, she was having complications because of the baby's strength, and so she wound up going into labor and having it cut out of her. And because it was premature, that's how the Covenant of the Sword were able to pretend it died. Right. It was premature. I was going to say, also, it was the Covenant of the Sword stole it, so right. that's why we never saw. But Right, but that, that's how they covered it up, by having it be premature. And, you know, it would be believable that it would die um, alone, on its own. So this scene... Holy shit. I'm just saying, like, if you saw this thing on, like, a movie, like, that movie would be yeah. rated X for violence. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, which is hilarious because everybody thinks X-rated movies are just for, like, you know, porn. Yeah. But, like, I swear I can't imagine this scene. Like, this is such a crazy scene. Yeah. Isn't... I gotta wonder where it's crawling off to, though. I gotta wonder what's, what, what, what Eric's plan is. You know, there's obvious there's a lot of dragon babies now. And and on the top of that, we know that the vicious circle or whoever, for whatever reason, was trying to kidnap dragon babies. Yeah. Because remember, somebody was trying to kidnap dragon babies during. No, that was it. That was in the free comic book day issue. So that still takes place in the future. And we don't we don't know who they were. We don't know. We don't know what their motivation is. We don't know if they're vicious circle or not. That was Fountainhead. Right. Yeah, that was Fountainhead trying to kidnap the babies, and we don't know if he was related to the vicious circle or not. Okay. My my theory is it's related to that the 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 freaking uh, Shao Khan looking guy. The the power broker? No, no the uh, the guy in the mountains that gave oh, uh, the chosen one or the unknown guy or whatever his name. Yeah, whatever he's called. He hasn't been. He haven't, we haven't seen him in ages, so we've kind of forgotten what his deal was. He, he gave uh, Brenda Funker. Or goo powers. Really? You thought that the baby's kidnapping was tied to him somehow? That's my theory. Huh. It's, it's def, it, there's def, oh, well, you know what? It's probably Dark Lord. 
now that I really think about it. Could be. I mean, and here's he, he's he, he's he's got a he's got a history of kidnapping dragon babies. Yeah, for whatever plant. Well, okay, yeah, I was gonna say for whatever reason, but he did say that the chosen one says the dragons are always the X factor in his plans. Right. So it makes sense to want to control the X factor. So he gets his hand on Barry. He gets his hand on this one, and for whatever reason, he's getting all the powerless ones that Laurel is popping out. I don't know what his plan is. It's for, crazy. Um, it's, yeah. it's funny because with all the things in play, we now know that a chosen one's powers can be turned off. Yeah. So you have to wonder then: Does the technology exist to turn a regular Krylon into a chosen one? You know, this scene would almost be better if the baby had started crawling away and he crawled into like Dark Lord's legs and like Dark Lord picked him up. <laughs> that would have been that would have been a hell of a way to end the issue. See this, but, but it's still a big mystery what's going on. We we don't know yet if it's even Dark Lord related. Yeah, it might just totally be unrelated to anything i love the uh visceral like shocking like uh plot twisty like you're just like coasting through this easy breezy like malcolm has a wedding it's like it was just paid like you said page after page of fake out like I, right. I kept thinking where's the drama where's the drama oh oh my god they they got through the wedding shit was okay kevin even you know thunderhead even got a potential hookup and i was like wow everything's going too good and then bam this baby creates all kinds of madness that you don't even know what could come of it because like you said there's so many different things that could happen now not to mention the fact that we haven't even mentioned yet malcolm has another son out there he does. So the lead of this series has a, a, a kid on the way and a kid he knows nothing about. Mm, yep. That's oh, awesome. I'm just saying it's crazy. And you know, being a celebrity, if that word gets out, it's his, which I don't know. There's security cameras on subways. There's all kinds of ways this can. Get yeah, this seem this seemed like a very, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like straight out of the Warriors type of subway station. Yeah. With like elevated with uh like nobody around. Don't you think there's still at least still like a security camera thing potentially? Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, yeah, I mean I mean for the for the scene it definitely needed to be an empty train, but it it's weird that there's nobody on it or that anyone was around to see not to see what happened. Oh, but they'll find it. Oh, I'm sure they will. And you know that the paparazzi press, like the the rag magazine Tierra did actually run to them with a pregnancy story, so they're aware. Even right. even though they thought it was a hoax, when they see this chick laying there with an umbilical cord out her exploded stomach, they're going to be yep. there to make the connection. Even, yeah, we'll, even, we'll, we'll see if he's if uh, what's his face is smart enough. Oh, uh, dude, I'm just saying this two page sequence was it two? Yeah, this three. this three page sequence. It's so funny. You got it's easy to feel like, and I did initially as I was reading it. I was like, oh, man, you know, this is crazy. He's going for the normal wedding issue. This three-page sequence flips all that shit on its side. Right. And gives you just crazy amounts of trouble for the main character. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Because, you know, hell, he's married too, dude. So not only is – and he's like a celebrity and stuff. So not only is he married, but then, like, he's going to have to explain why his illegitimate spawn is crawling around the city – if the kid doesn't get swooped up by Overlord or yeah, I don't know, dude, I'm just saying for me, that's when that three pages turn the whole thing around. I was like, yeah. who, who would you rather the baby be found by dart or dark Lord? Ooh, I'd rather dart. Cause that seems like 
the way everybody's into like I can use this blood to give me powers and stuff. Oh yeah, that's, I didn't even think of that part. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be her blood bank. Yeah, I'm just saying like a- and her and her 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 enforcer son who is also a dragon chosen one. I'm telling you, there's so many cool things. I would rather Dart. I think Dart would be more interesting. Overlord, unfortunately, uh, is one of those characters that has disappeared out of the book a lot. Yeah. And I don't feel like him getting it would carry the same way unless he then turned around and did something with it. Right. Otherwise, it feels like it'd be a long bomb for the future, which I don't mind. And Savage Dragon's definitely a great book for like those long, down-the-road like payoffs. Do you think there'll be a payoff in this? Uh, soon or do you think this is a long term dangling plot thread I think finding the body is guaranteed immediate problems right as far as the baby geez that's that gets anyone's game like you said it depends entirely on who finds it who would I mean if you, th- if you think about it is a lot it's very similar to what happened to Malcolm when he was born in that he basically disappeared left the book it didn't become important for another 70 uh 75 issues i can't imagine it would be that way for this kid though somebody's got to find this kid maybe maybe he crawls into the sewers and lives in the sewers <laughs> with, with four turtles and a, and, a, and a rat becomes a sewer mutant <laughs> oh that's you know i hope not <laughs> there's a million things he could end up he's a super powered baby so i mean he technically could end up uh in the what do they call it? Oh, why am I forgetting this? You know the bad zone where everything's yeah, chaos. Dangerous, danger zone. He could end up in the danger zone in the hands of some like mute, you know, some freaks or something. There's a million ways it could go. Who would you rather find the baby? Um, I I think Dart would be a better choice. I mean, be a more interesting choice anyway. Instead of it, you know, just being another pawn in whatever Dark Lord's current schemes are. Hell, Belko could even find it and have crazy things Ooh. come out of that. Mel- Melvin Belko with his baby? Who knows? Who, I mean, they're saying, like, he's so into, like, the whole genetic splicing type thing. Yeah. That, like, even he could, if he found this baby, what if he, like, what if we're both wrong and, like, he dices the baby up immediately and, like, uses it for, like, powers or something? Seems like something he would do. He's crazy as shit. So he would go from like a laugh. He would glum style. He would transition glum style from a jokey character to like a super deadly serious character. Yeah. You never know. Anything could happen. That's why I'm stoked. Um, I'm down with it, man. I'm still on board. I'm still happy. Do you, after us, after we talked about it, I know when you read something and you're on your own and sometimes you get to like talk to people and like maybe it sort of sways it. You feeling swayed or you feeling like you still wish there was more? More. Well, no, I, um, I, I like this part of the issue. I liked it from the beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I And I completely got the whole tonal shift thing from, like, the the smooth wedding. You know, there was no supervillains. There wasn't even a fight with the parents. It's just, you know, it happened. They're on their honeymoon. And then twist is it goes straight into this tragedy with Tierra. Right. I mean, I got that. I like that. It's just the whole wedding part. I thought uh, was just it was just took up so much of the issue. It just didn't really entertain me the way i wanted it to uh, i gotta say i'm glad you use the word tragedy it totally cued me into something else we've not talked about you know she was a total cunt but mm. i felt so bad for tiara like wasn't that uh, just the most tragic end yeah that was sad she, she doesn't have uh robot friends to make her 
superpower belts to save her. Somewhere Nick Justice weeps. Oh, she was a he was a fan of Tierra. No, but he uh, has has talked about uh, being moved to tears uh, frequently. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, okay. So I'm just saying, somewhere it was a sad moment. I was like, oh, I was like, that is just so sad. That is the saddest. Like I wasn't like, oh, I hate her. I was like, oh my god, that is tragic. Yeah, that is the worst. Like a, to die all alone, like ugh. and like, what the hell was she thinking? Because like Malcolm warned her. I don't know, dude. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you gotta wonder about that. Yeah, she was warned. So like, what the hell was she thinking? I don't know, dude. It was good. It was good. You remain unswayed. Um. So uh, their honeymoon is underway. Looks like everything's perfect, but I guess uh. There's going to be trouble in paradise. Do you want to move on and uh, discuss the backup of Legend? Yeah, let's talk about the backup really quick because this is a really interesting backup. <laughs> of course, it's, it's it's um it was this is a backup by Laser, 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 Lazur, <laughs> Lazur. I he's a uh, I can't remember where he's from. He's definitely European. Polish. He's Polish. He's okay, Polish. he made this. He made this. <coughs> sorry, he made this um tribute comic. To a character called um, Mouthful of Death. Is that her name? Mouthful She's of Death. Based on Fletcher Hanks. Um, oh, what was the name of that chick? Oh, hold on, Fantoma. Fletcher. Fantoma. That's it. Fletcher Fant- Hanks. Fantoma character. Yeah, she is a Golden Age comic book character. Who I want to say I saw something with her in it very recently, just before I saw this. So I was aware of who she was. Um, but this came along, and this was an, this is a, this was an interesting mix-up where it's a Phantom of comic, but all of the panels are drawn from Savage Dragon panels. The layout, uh, the um, the um, what was the word? Not the right word. Uh, yeah, the the um. His name is Lucas Mazur, or yeah, uh, Mazur, just to clarify. And Lucas, I'm sorry, I did a crummy job pronouncing that, but uh, it's Lucas Mazur. Um, and Mouthful of Death, it's important to, I think, do a little bit of a distinction, is only uh, Phantoma-inspired. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so the character's name is Mouthful of Death? Mouthful of Death is the character, and I actually – it's so weird, the timing on this. My brother lent me a book about, like, uh, Golden Age, like, regrettable superheroes or something. Right. And so I actually read up a ton on uh, – fan- or a ton. There's two pages. <laughs> No, there's three pages dedicated to Phantom in that book. So I read all they had to say. So after reading that, um, I can tell you that this character is not the same character at all. Just pretty much the same aesthetic. I see. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the other other thing about this is that all of the panels are taken from Savage Dragon panels in terms of homage, in terms of uh, um, character placement. Uh, blocking that sort of thing. This is also the um, first appearance of this uh, in color. So yes, that's awesome. I, it was originally released on the internet in black and white. Mm-hmm. So uh, I we read that a few months ago actually, um, and I believe when we read it, it was on the forum, and I think that's how it got to Eric's attention. It's awesome. I, it's pretty cool. I love it. It's definitely um, the uh, you can definitely see the the Larson influences in the art. And in the uh, especially, of course, with the panels being drawn from Savage Dragon panels, uh, the the whole left right punching thing going on, mm-hmm. you know, and the action in the speed and the, lines, speed lines, of course, <laughs> and the the motion between panels, like getting punched, and then you know, 
the transitioning to another panel. But the flat shading on the coloring, um, yeah, I want to say, uh, really did push it to a whole new level. Uh, I love it. Uh, I think it's really fantastic. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I'm not seeing the coloring credit here. You got to assume Nikos colored it, or maybe it was uh, Lucas. But uh, beautiful coloring. Whoever chose to go with flats, uh, great choice. Um, this looks so good. Um, the ending's pretty funny too, because uh, it says, in, uh, "Write your own name." <laughs> so apparently, she's attacking us. It's it's our turn. We're next. Come no, this, it's just really cool to have this actually in Savage Dragon. It printed in the issue of Savage Dragon. It had to have been like the coolest thing ever for the guy. Uh, he made it a Facebook event. So yeah, it's it's a thrill. I, I gotta say, uh, I mean, what a, that's a hell of a this is a hell of a great first thing to have in there. Like this is really like awesome stuff. Um, I love the action and the coloring and everything. So. Yeah, he should be proud. Uh, this is really cool. This is really a cool looking. This is a. Uh, I liked it back when we first saw it on the forum, but uh, just seeing it now, all black and white, and it's going to be even. You know, mm, I can't wait to get my hands on this in print. I'm just saying, I'm really glad that it found its way into the book. Yeah, definitely. So so good job yeah, on that, that. so that issue of Savage Dragon. I mean, um. We're a little bit divided on it. I mean, I'm not. I don't outright hate it. I definitely like it. Um, I just, it's not my favorite issue of the year. It's okay. You know, you're gonna have your highs and lows. It's all good. Um, we are going to have an opportunity now. Um, remember back when um they were doing the revival of Supreme, mm-hmm. and we were talking about Savage Dragon and Supreme every episode. Right. Now I get to do that again. For the foreseeable future, as Eric Larson teams up with Todd McFarlane on Spawn. Now, I don't know this Todd McFarlane kid. He's is he new? Apparently, he's a kid. He's like eternally young. Is he new? Did he new? Did he just start? Oh yeah, he came up with the. Uh, um, damn it! He, I lost my train of thought. He must feel very lucky to be working with Eric. Such such a pro. Such a such a. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm being facetious. Everyone knows who Todd McFarlane is. Uh, I hope he has baseballs. <laughs> yeah, for a while that was his claim to fame: the Madonna brawl, the baseballs. I'd say probably now people equate him with his toys, even more yeah. than Spawn. Wouldn't you think? Probably, because I think like his toys are like in Walmart. Like everybody sees his toys. Now I'm not going to lie. Uh-uh. Uh, I'm looking at this cover. It says issue 258. And I can t- count on one hand the number of Spawn issues I've actually read in my life. Well, actually, I can't count them on one hand because you can't have zero fingers. It takes me four hands to count the number of Spawn issues I've read in my life. Really? Yeah, I've, I actually read a run of them back when it very first came out. But I, I dropped <laughs> off uh, due to, like, uh, I didn't have a comic shop convenient to me. So I was ordering them through mail order, you know, back when Spawn was coming out. And so eventually I was just like, eh, I don't feel like mail order in this. And so I quit. Yeah. But like the thing is, I used to be a Spawn jerk. Um, I have new respect. Jerk? Yeah, well, I used to be a jerk, dude. And I, like I said, I'll admit. Were you a snob? I was a snob. I was a snob because I didn't like, um, I didn't like like uh, 
all the the fact and it's funny because eric's gone on to talk about it he's like well you know you can't get mad at the other image founders for what they did he's like they all did what they wanted to do i just did what i wanted to do and like he's like just because i'm doing you know something that you think is better doesn't make me better than them or whatever but like as a kid i because remember spawn came out when i was a kid right so i was you know prone to hot-headed ideas as a kid, I hated the idea that like Spawn wasn't going to be just created by McFarlane, a la Savage Dragon. I see. So like, I was super like, ugh, whenever like you know Capullo, even though Capullo is great and everything, but I'm just saying like, whenever other people started like working on Spawn, like that wasn't why I was into like uh, indie comics. I, w- I was into comics to get like a singular creator experience. I see. So as soon as like Spawn started to just change creative teams and things. Right. Because I was nuts. Like you got to understand when Spawn first hit, I was like goo goo gaga for all the art and stuff. And remember, computer coloring was new, too. So nothing, yes. nothing looked as good as Spawn. Liquid. Oh, my. With an exclamation mark. Yeah. What, what was it? The Moo Crew? Or no. What, what, no what, liquid was the one, though, right? Yeah. That, yeah. Li- liquid was Marvel's go to for or that early digital coloring stuff that was all like bright colors and yeah. But Spawn, even in all the digital coloring, although I want to say Malibu comics did a lot with digital coloring early on. It, it was a yeah, weird, that's why image worked with them. Yeah. It was a weird sort of a, like, I think it was a weird era. Yeah. You like, I want to say Malibu did actually lead the way for digital coloring. But like I said, like for me, for some reason, like just the coloring on Spawn was head and shoulders above the other, even the other computer colored books. Yeah. So compared with like, so like I was a total McFarlane art fanboy, and remember I hadn't read any Spider Man because I even as a kid I hated all those Marvel characters, right? Yeah. So I wasn't like. Or you a DC guy? No, I hated all corporate comics. Oh, you didn't like any. I have of a them. weird origin of hating all corporate comics, like almost always. So, Weird. so yeah, so like I, unlike most people, even I came in like in Fantastic Four. No, like I, no, I just I like out the gate. I was like, but so like I wasn't like when everybody like you know likes like Larson's uh, Spider Man stuff. I've not read a drop of it. I see. And I've not. I didn't like know McFarlane is like, oh, this is the guy who did Venom. Like all I knew was here were these seven renegade badasses that were breaking off and doing their own thing. Yep. And I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. That's what I want to do. Cook ass. And so, yeah, I, and I was like, I want to break off yeah. and do my own thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, I never wanted to draw Spider-Man or any of that stuff. I only ever wanted to do my own thing. Right. Let's see. And so remember, this is a pre-internet. So for me, these guys were like, really, like, I was like, yeah, they're, they're making it possible. Like people are really eating this up. It's cool because it was like kind of a shocker. And so when this guy goes on and then like. Uh, lets other people do his book and you know all that stuff that he did and starts really focusing on the toy company and all that stuff. It was the yeah. biggest turnoff. So I was such a dickhead. I was such a like a, a like a snob. I was a snob. I was a snob about it. Now I watch a Spawn movie and like I think I maybe even had a Spawn toy or something like that. And there was that Super Nintendo game, wasn't there? Yes. So I'm just saying, like I I was all over like all these Spawny type things, but. At the same time, I for all that, I would say I still dropped out after like maybe a year and a half or something. Yeah. However long it lasted before he switched out. So like this is it is crazy after all these years to be buying Spawn again. 
Personally, I was turned off because I wasn't really into the whole dark, grit and gritty thing. Yeah. And like characters like the clown and even Spawn himself just kind of uh, didn't do anything for me. I didn't. Yeah. That's another reason is I was reading it for the art. Yeah. And all the hell stuff. I don't know why. It just didn't click with me. Yeah. I didn't. Actually, the art didn't really click with me at the time. I'm not an art-centric person anyway. Right. So when I looked at it, I mostly just saw like, I don't know, it just looked confusing more than... You know, than what I was used to. Uh-huh. And I just I just could not find a, a way to get into it. I mean, it, in a lot of the ways, I was, I was somewhat snobbish at that time in terms of my comic taste. I largely ignored Image as a whole until for like, till like 2001. Right. And when I was, I, I was aware of Image as a company. Okay. Throughout, throughout the 90s, because I read Wizard Guide to Comics. Sure. All that shit. I, I I was not really familiar with the guys who broke off to form Image because I wasn't reading comics at that time. Okay. I, I wasn't familiar with the creators, so I didn't have any attachment to any of them. So I kind of – my primary exposure to Image was the Savage Dragon cartoon, Wildcats cartoon, and I didn't really like what I saw oh, in either Lord. of those. I know, right? <laughs> The double-edged sword of having your own ca- cartoon spinoffs. Like the worst exposure you could get. So fast forward to 2001, I'm out of high school and I have disposable income and I see a comic called Noble Causes by Jay Faber. Okay. And from that point on, I basically became a fan of Image Comics. Okay. So I, Jay Faber is the first creator I think of when I think of Image Comics of all wow, people. that's weird. <laughs> it's quite weird. But that... Got me into Image Superheroes, which led me to Invincible, which led me to well, led me to Savage Dragon, which led me to Invincible. Cool, all right. And that's how I became an Image fan. So you can say because then I went back in time and I figured out, oh, I was an idiot, of course. <laughs> I think we all were at one point. I, everyone comes in, you know, looking at this, you know, looking at things in weird ways. Like, like I said, I realize now as an adult how stupid it was to like hate Spawn for like that was the dumbest reason to hate Spawn. Yeah. I probably, if I started collecting it again, would enjoy all of Spawn if I just read it without being a dumbass. Yeah, I've heard so many. I've got buddies. You gotta understand. Every time I talk about Savage Dragon, because I always try to talk to it to whoever will listen. I got anyone on the street. Any, yeah, any random hobo. If he's like got any change, I'm like got any time. And I just start. Let me tell you about my personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> I start in with the Brotherhood of the Finn. No, it, it, it. The thing is, is a million times people have come back at with me. Oh yeah, I love Spawn. And I get it that like for a lot of people, Spawn's their Savage Dragon. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why it's it's kind of like these are two great tastes that maybe taste great together. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll be honest. I, of course, I'm coming into this with basically very, very, very minimal knowledge of what Spawn's deal is. Okay. I know he died. He made a deal with the devil. Right. And the deal, and the devil screwed him over by having his wife remarry, and so he couldn't be with his wife. Yeah. And as far as I'm aware, his wife is dead, and now he's in hell trying to get her soul back. I think it would be a fool's errand to try to recover 250-some issues of uh, backstory because and also al simons wasn't spawned for a for a bunch of that too oh yeah there, there wasn't there a replacement spawn for a while a white guy with blonde hair i have no idea what he was about <coughs> he was the spawn in image united he was yeah so it's like it's totally there's whole like 
we're talking like 20 some years. There's like decades almost of spawn. We don't know about, but you are correct. Um, that's basically, I'm coming into this clean too. All I need to know is that spawn is going to get Wanda from hell. That seems to be the entire gist of it. Um, the Satan saga wars begin with, is that what it's called? Satan saga wars. Pretty sure. And, uh, that's that's all you need to know, as far as I can tell. Well, the good news is there. This issue is not heavy on exposition. No. In fact, there is not talking at all. Yeah. This issue is almost like the eighth, the eighth, eighth of the Savage Dragon issue. Yeah. I was like, when I read it, I was like, oh, cool. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Keep turning. Keep, is that octopus? Keep turning. Yes, keep turning. exactly. When I saw, I was like, "Huh?" I was like, "Did octopus go to hell?" Cool. <laughs> and then I was like, "That is him, right?" Would you say? I, I think it may be. I would say that that there that it's very very similar design. If he's not literally octopus, I mean, I cannot imagine that that is not octopus. I, I mean, he's got the same shape, body shape, and he's got octopus forearmed octopus in his stomach he's even got the same like fat head like it's gotta be him. right put put glasses on him and he looks like octopus yeah and so so I, gotta... I just can't remember if octopus had a beak i'm he did he did i'm positive he did yeah so that would be the funniest goddamn thing if that was confirmed as literally the octopus dude i swear it's gotta be because we got we gotta we gotta we gotta find out we gotta, actually, you know what? We really need to have Eric on next episode. I would love to talk to him, although it's funny because he's probably now more than ever not able to do these things. Like he was like, yeah. I'd come on every episode if you'd have me. And <laughs> and now he's like doing two books. We're like, come on, Eric, come on down. But yeah, this 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 issue Yeah, lo- Octopus honestly has to re- be, definitely yeah. I just confirmed it. Dude, it's gotta be Octopus. It's gotta be. I mean, what other? Why else would he be, you know, pictured in such clarity if we weren't supposed to go octopus? So I gotta ask you. But it doesn't make any sense. I mean, what? I mean, it does make sense. Oh, he went to hell. Why, why would he use octopus in this? I love it though, because you know, I, I'm gonna go ahead and dip a little into like some speculation because there's so. It's just a fight comic, so there's not too much you could say about it. But like, you know what? There is a bunch. We can say a bunch about it, but. uh Somebody said Malcolm has to cross over, right. and he did reply and say, "I would imagine that would happen at some point. We've just got to get to it." Well, maybe we'll see a splattering of old VC goons in hell throughout the entire run. Oh my god, dude! I'm saying that's and and again, when you flip the page, is the dude with the sword and the dude with the axe are they anybody? I I was wondering that, but they didn't look enough like Hellraiser and um, oh Hook Arm. What the hell's his name? They, they could be someone else, but uh, th- there is no doubt in my mind that that one guy is definitely Octopus. Yeah. Why, who do you think they are? I don't know. They just looked a little too cool. A little bit too much design thought went into them to not be somebody. Yeah, I mean, because you got, like, some Larson, like, you know... Uh, he does have a skull on his arm. That does... Do you remember who... You know who I'm talking about? The guy, um... With the with the with the big claw arm, I don't. Damn it! Um, sorry. He's always hanging out with with Hellraiser in in the early days. Oof! No. Date, dates Glowbug. No, it's just no, not okay. hitting me. I'm sorry. 
All right, we'll figure it out later. Um, what was I trying to say? Oh, yeah, this issue largely reminded me of something like Shaolin Cowboy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In that it's just a nonstop action sequence. Dude, I loved it. I definitely like it, but I almost don't like it for the opposite reason. I didn't like the issue of Savage Dragon, whereas <laughs> not nothing, nothing really happens. You're such a finicky. You're such a finicky biscuit. I need a proper balance in my diet. I will. I will so, add for you. I will add for you that uh, somebody asked him on Facebook. Uh, you know what was going to happen. And I think I think maybe he was sort of something was thrown his way, and he said he'll be doing the writing on the next issue. Really? Yeah. So I guess I'm guessing that this was Todd's choice to just let Eric do his damn thing. Yeah. And so probably that's why this is so minimalist. What this does do though is give it. It basically tells me what all Spawn's powers are. Apparently, it's Green Blast, Chains, and... Uh, the Cape? And the Cape, yes. The Cape can strangle people. I love the sequence where he is beating the dudes with the other dude with his cape. <laughs> I had not seen Spawn do that. I'd seen him strangle people. Right. Like, you know how the Cape, like, chokes people? I had not yeah. seen the Cape physically pick anyone up and swing them around. This is probably something Spawn fans have been reading for, like, hundreds of issues, thinking is awesome. Oh, the chains, uh, I've seen him do stuff with the chains, too. Right. But again, you know, uh, it's not like in the Spawn issues I read, Spawn was just running around killing motherfuckers with this much carnage. They did. He did or he didn't? He did not in the issues I read, because in the issues I, I read, you know, he was on Earth. Right. So he might fight. Can't get away with this much gratuitous violence. Oh, yeah, he kills thousands of people. That's he does. That's the other thing is that like Spawn. Uh, when I was reading, you gotta. Uh, it's gonna be so <laughs> funny if Spawn fans listen to this. But like uh, when when I was reading, Spawn's powers were limited and were ticking down constantly. Oh, he could only use them a limited amount of time. Every time he used his powers, he was moving closer to like. Uh, losing them eternally and just being a mindless servant of Satan. I see. So there was a constant countdown clock in the original Spawn comics that I was reading. Really? Yeah, so he would like blast someone with power and there'd be like a thing and it would just be like it started out at like nine 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 and it would like or something like that and it would count down lower and lower and lower. And so like to see his spawn this damn powerful, like just shooting right. his blasts like nuts and like using his cape and all that. Because that's why the early Spawn used guns and knives at all. Oh. Because he didn't want to just use his powers like willy-nilly. Gotcha. Because every time he did, he was moving closer to eternal damnation. Uh, clearly not a problem. <laughs> yeah, something's clearly changed. I wonder if we'll ever be told. I don't know. I'm not going to try to think about it too much. Maybe because he's in hell? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, while we're talking about moments we love... Isn't all fantastic that the dude with the guy coming out of his back gets cut in half? Yeah, that was actually pretty cool. <laughs> this was a, when I read this issue... A lot of creative deaths in this. I'll give it that. I gotta say, when I read this issue, this is my Kill Bill, The Bride versus The Crazy 88. Yeah. Like, that's the way I'm reading it. Like, the whole time... And you gotta... The, the trick to enjoying this thing is that, you know... Eric's fast, but he didn't just bang this out and like as quick as it took you to read it. 
Right. So you really got to take time and go back and appreciate stuff. There's comedy and moments in there. Like when the big berserker dude pushes the other guys out of the way with ring right. there's a little fat demon in the background and just the look on his face where he looks so stupid and clueless. Right. It's comedy. I'm saying there's stuff in here. If you take the time to read it, it's banana sandwich, actually, the amount of stuff that's actually here. So if you're out there and you're a listener and you're reading around and you're just feeling like, man, I read that in two seconds or nothing. There's details. Yeah. There's details galore. Just read it again. Um, maybe I'm weird, but it was a little weird that the survivor count was on the right hand page for like two pages when it probably should have been on the left the entire time. I don't know that that bothers me, only because didn't the... Do you have have a print copy? I do, and... There's no, like, ads in there, are there? No, it's all no ads. Okay. Yeah, um, at one point, the survivor counter is in a panel frame. It is. And then on the others, it's outside of the panels. I guess if it was more consistent, it would have been better, but it didn't bother me. I was okay okay with it. Um, I feel like there's a funny nod here um, where uh, Spawn has, you know, what can be described as Venom Tongue. I don't know how long that's... Yeah, that wasn't a thing? That wasn't when I was reading it. Spawn didn't have a mouth, but now... At all? At all. It was just kind of a Deadpool. definitely got Venom Tongue going on right now. Yeah, it it was a Deadpool kind of a thing where you could see very clearly his expressions through his mask. Uh-huh. So it was extremely expressive faces, but this new spawn has a fucking mouth and a venom tongue. Well, what's so funny is, uh, I guess FCO, the colorist or whatever, yeah. uh, there's a somewhat of a carnage, uh, looking character. Uh, right. I, I was just looking at him. He also has a, he also has a venom tongue. Yeah. I was like, that's funny. It's just, well, these are all demons from hell. I assume they all, you know, they, they're all similar scenarios as to Spawn, where Satan gave them their power. So, See, and again, my limited knowledge of Spawns is this. A Hell Spawn, which is what Spawn is, right. is like an elite soldier in Hell. Ah. So for him to just be tearing through these guys by the thousands, you might be like, well, GD, what the fuck can stop Spawn? It's that these guys are panty wastes compared to a Spawn. Like, a Spawn is a big deal. Oh, okay. So, at least that's the way it was when I was reading. I don't think Spawn's ever rebooted. Yeah, because that guy you were pointing out, he he, he, he has the same, like, um, face facial pattern as Spawn does, too. Yeah. With, with the bl- Only it's, like, black instead of white. So, I feel like, it, I don't know if it, there was ever gone into the dichotomy of hell or anything like that, but, like, for you to see things like that, it makes uh sense that there would be kind of some spawn-esque looking guys like lesser demons so right. all these guys are nothing i i get the feeling you know spawn's gonna run into some stuff in the comic violators are a big deal or at least they were when i was reading like the, a, yeah. a violator could give a spawn a run for its money pretty it was a pretty serious threat so i mean you gotta assume that like he's not gonna Spin the it won't be all splash pages or an action for the entire arc, um, right? But uh, this definitely feels like two things. One, it's it, it's it's I, I guess this has been building up to mm-hmm. this isn't something that just happens. It's just they've been he's been building up to this whole going into hell rescue his wife thing. Mm-hmm. But it also works as is if this is your first issue 
it does kind it is very accessible. Oh yeah. Because it isn't really slapping you in the face with a lot of details. Oh yeah. Which I mean, and two, another thing it does is it just sells the shit out of spawn as a cool character. Like when I read this, he definitely is an action badass. I'll give him that. It makes me feel dumb for not having read spawn all these years. And I, it doesn't, it doesn't quite do that to me because I think there's a lot of larcenism kind of going on right now. And I don't know if anyone else who's ever done spawn could channel that. That's true. Even one ninety nine, I guess it was. I went out and picked that one up because I got poked. <coughs> I got poked about it on the message board for not having read it. Right. So I went out and bought one ninety nine, and one ninety nine didn't even bring the heat quite like this. Yeah. Like this is just some. Ex- even though it was an- the another instance where it was like Todd and uh, Eric teaming up together, um, this is just such a badass team up. Like, I love the. Their combo, just the the way that like sometimes it's all Larson, yeah. Other times you can really see that McFarlane super detail, like yeah. So, so you can definitely tell. Like here's a good example on page like 18. Mm-hmm. I don't if you look at the first panel with the with the, uh, the 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 guys getting decapitated. Okay, there's a lot of detail in that face that Eric wouldn't do right typically. Right. Um. Yeah, the, you, you definitely the detail is must be McFarlane because Eric doesn't really put this much detail into like little things. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And that's what's cool is that like sometimes like it's just like total pure Larson. Like okay, back <coughs> on the other page where Spawn's throwing the sword through the guy's head. Yeah. You look in the background, those demons are just straight up Larson. So spawn pretty much. But then like you go down like even the next panel and look how detailed like Spawn's face is and stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you would think it would be jarring. But it works. But it works. It works really well. Um I want to say FCO was on Invincible and, okay. and moved over to Spawn. This guy is one of my most favorite colorists in the world. Yeah. I mean, look at the amount of work in these pages, the rust on the chains, like the little green gore and blood splatter effects. That is crazy amount of, but also too to color a scene like this, to have it not be a total mess. Yeah. I mean, this guy just has a mastery over color. That's like completely bonkers. I miss him. Uh, I'm not sure if I like the green splatter because it seems so very digital. Uh, it's digital. I guess it would be a love it or hate it. Do you, so you don't like it? Well, I don't hate it. I just don't, you know, did, I didn't really click with me because to me it seems like it's covering up the gorgeous line art. I think. Because it's, it's, not, it's not drawn as part of the line art. It's added in the coloring phase. So right. it's not Eric or McFarlane. I think it's cool, though, because I think, like, I mean, I think it's cool anyway, like uh, where it adds to like where he's put it, it creates a fine mist that you would never want to draw. Right. So I, I'm a fan of it, but I could see what you're saying, too. Like there are places where like, uh, for instance, on the double page spread where the demon's getting uh, cut in half by the chain, the demon that's right butt up against the page on the left hand side. On the left? Yeah, the guy that's like just like his arm is coming at you and like he's cut off and you can see his wiggly little intestines. Yeah, okay. Like I don't think it's as successful there 
as if you move up and you see the blood splatter effect on like some of the guys that are in the background. Yeah. Like I think it creates a beautiful effect there that you could never draw because it just is like at that distance blood would be a mist, you know what I mean? Right. So I mean it's it's more successful in some places than others for the most part. I think just like FCO is just one of the best in the biz, man. I mean, just blows my mind. Such an awesome team. Just Larson, McFarlane, FCO. It's like, holy shit. This was some exhilarating stuff. Yep, I'll admit this did capture my attention. I do intend to continue reading it, even if I wasn't doing it for the podcast already. Yeah, I'm on board. I told the uh, local comic shop, keep this in my pull box as long as you see Eric's name on the cover. Yeah, we'll see if it reaches the same heights as Supreme. I think it will exceed it. Only because I think that, I don't know, there was a weird sort of a vibe I got on Supreme where it felt like uh, after Eric got so far into it, maybe he wasn't so into it. Right. But it, I've been seeing nothing but positive energy around this. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, you watch, I, I linked on a dragon fan. If you haven't watched it, comicbook.com or somebody did, uh, a video interview series with McFarlane and it's a series of it's comic book resource. Uh, and it's a series of three videos, YouTube videos. It's on dragonfan.net's front page. They're in the order that they you should watch them. So definitely watch that. It's cool to see McFarlane talking about his enthusiasm for working with Eric. Um, I don't know, dude. Like I said, this is absolutely killer. Comes the point, you got to ask the question, did you like this better than... Who won? We got Savage Dragon versus Spawn. Um, I'm going to say Spawn was a bit better i gotta give it to spawn too but i think maybe because it was it's new i'm just gonna say it was just uh you know you can't compare a full page of action i mean a full issue of action yeah to kind of a more sucker punch twist action yeah it's it's just not even a fair comparison really yeah i mean the the spawn was all action and Dragon was mostly character moments, so yeah. definitely it's hard to compare the two. But I do think I clicked with Spawn a bit more, even if though it was a shorter read overall. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I can totally agree with that. Uh, the last survivor, just like I saved such a dipshitty little guy. <laughs> and now for the message. <laughs> Tell Satan, I'm here. <laughs> so good. So, yeah, holy crap, I never dreamed I'd be reading Spawn. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> Thanks, Eric. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm pleased. Uh, I'm very happy. I can't well, I didn't think I'd ever read S- Supreme, either. So, it's so funny. Oh, Lord, shit, you really aren't kidding there. Um, think about this one. So, whenever Savage Dragon hits its 300-issue milestone... Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny cause, uh, Todd McFarlane, even though he hasn't created entirely his own book for right. its whole. So to me, I feel like the achievements are different right? because Cerebus was always, now he did have Gerhard helping him, but he was still the writer and the primary artist. Right. And, uh, but did Cerebus come out regularly? Was it like 
monthly? I feel like it was mostly monthly. Uh, I feel like if there were any delays, I feel like they were like, you know, I got a really intense graphical issue, but I feel like it came out mostly monthly, but uh, it was still one man's vision mostly. Whereas I feel like McFarlane uh, had a different vision. I mean, like I said, teenage me just wasn't with it, but Right. You know, the idea is that he wants Spawn to be his Batman. He wants Spawn to be worked on by a bunch of different right. creators. Well, he wants it out regularly. So if he can't work on it, he just hires someone else to work on it. Exactly. Like if he needs to turn his focus to something else, which might be like a Spawn movie or a Spawn video game, he will have yeah. someone else do the comic in order to focus on those other things. Yeah, and keep the comic coming out. Right. So, I mean, I just had to get over that as a kid. Like as an adult now, I'm like, okay. But it's funny because... Because still yet, the comic artist part of me, it's funny to think that when Larson hits 300, yeah, that'll be the similar accomplishment. And that it'll be 300 issues pretty much by one dude and, right. and whatever help he chose to get, coloring and lettering. Yeah. But mostly written and drawn by one dude. Whereas when Spawn hits 300 issues... Because like I said, McFarlane talks about that. He's like, oh, when Spawn hits 300, you know, it's going to be a thing. And it's like... Mm. It's funny because Larson will be a part of Spawn hitting 300. That's true. <laughs> yeah, when we see when Spawn hits 300, it's just another comic hitting 300. It's impressive that it hit 300 and that the creator continues to let it continue instead of relaunching it, like so many have done. But it's not really impressive from uh, this one guy worked on it, you know, his whole career right. perspective. It's, but it is it's diff- it is one of the few, to be fair, it is one of the few comics that one guy created uh-huh. still has control of mm-hmm. and is an independent comic and is still going. That's the accomplishment. Yeah. Um, that is, that's why it, it does. It, it does still sp- matter. Was spawn the first image comic or was young blood? I want to say it was young blood. Okay. So it, it, it doesn't have that distinction, but I feel like a lot of those image comics hit like maybe within a month apart. Like it wasn't, I don't think they all hit at the same. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like they all hit pretty close together. Yeah. Um, but it's too bad that Dragon couldn't keep up the same pace, you know, to be closer together because there's a good 50 issue gap here between the two of them. Oh, yeah. Which is what? Two years? No, four years difference? 12 issues, uh, 12 and yeah, at least four years of difference. And I mean, the thing is, it's crazy because it's like clearly Larson can bust out the issues. Right. So it's not a, but he's still one man, and if there's any delays, you're going to lose months instead of weeks. Yeah, and and life happens is what's so yeah. sad. Like, um, so I mean, you know, you have to. He has to do cons. He has to, you know, have family. You know, people graduate. Right. There's but Eric's vision is that he's the only guy working on it. So when those things happen, he doesn't have. He can't call on anybody to take his place. Right. For a month. Too. right he's right. got to do it himself regardless and the way that the or, book has been like now even as a fan like i wouldn't even want that yeah god no like i would maybe maybe after 300 after 300 sure because then you've hit the cerebus landmark you can take a break after 300 eric <laughs> it'll be okay <laughs> then we won't care like he gives a shit yeah like he gives a shit you know it's funny and and i'm sorry this seems like a tangent but it does kind of tie into the spawn savage dragon cerebus 300 issue club um kirkman used to say that he wanted to do walking dead and invincible both as long as he uh could um that tune has changed and he said that uh for him he envisions the ending of walking dead being issue 500 
Oh, well, that's still pretty far out. So, or no, is, issue 300. I'm sorry. Oh, that's still pretty far it's out. It's still pretty far out, but what's so funny is that it's funny that 300 is just such a, thanks to Cerberus, it's such an American comic it, landmark. Is it? I guess it would be. It's the longest run. Cerberus is still king at the moment. Uh, of what? Of all all ongoing series? Of independently produced um, creator titles. Oh, oh okay. So I there, see are, what you're there are longer productions. That, that never renumbered because I'm pretty sure you saw you Jimbo has 300 issues. They just there was a renumbering at one point. Really, I th- I think. And Gold Digger might be pushing 300. I'm Gold not actually Digger sure. Gold Digger is close, but what's funny is Gold Digger is the uh, dark horse no one ever talks about. No one gives a shit about Gold Digger. Yeah. Even though one guy's been drawing it for almost 300 issues. And what's even weirder is one guy has been uh, coloring it too. Really? Yeah, since he uh, it was in black and white. Initially, right. But it relaun- that's when the relaunch happens, when it went full color. I don't think it did. I mean, if you look up the issues... I think that I think what fifty issues in black and white relaunched number one, and then I believe it renumbered again to its original numbering, uh, at, like at issue like two hundred. I'm looking at this. Usagi Yojimbo has two hundred some issues under its belt. Okay. So right now, no one's still no one's close to service. Yeah. Um, everyone is, but Spawn is closest. Is what's so funny. Again, if if you count Spawn, because like I said, the achievement is different. McFarlane, when I hear him talk about it, he says that it is, uh, he calls it the longest running independently produced comic. And he is right in that respect. That that may not be, well, it depends on your definition of independent. Are you talking creator owned or not Marvel DC? He's saying creator owned, right? Because I can tell you for a fact that 2000 AD has been going for 35 years. Well, like, we're talking about... Even though it's weekly. A single title. It's still, has, it's still a single title. 2008, well, okay. Isn't that an anthology? It's an anthology, but it is a single title. See, and that's what's so weird about it, is when you drag in other things, like Shonen yeah. Jump is probably... Yeah, Shonen Jump's been going on since the 60s. Yeah, and so, like, you can't... It's kind of funny. And again, you talk about Dark Horses no one talks about... It's like, what about the guy? One Piece is one man's vision. And so One Piece has like been going for, I mean. If you... Well, I think Eric, I, ta- I asked Eric about this once. Basically, his argument was because they use assistance on backgrounds and such. Uh-huh. It's not one creator. It's it, they just they don't credit the helpers. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I don't know. It's like I said, it's weird. It's weird because it is an achievement, but it was it's such there's so many little factors like yeah. Dave Sim used the helper. Right, he had a helper. So, exactly. so does that mean that and the guy drew backgrounds and the guy drew really lavish backgrounds too. So it's one of those things it's like does that negate Cerberus? Like what do we and The thing is the, this thing these only these terms only really matter to us fans. Creators don't even give a shit. Well, what's funny is I feel like it's in creators' minds, but at the same time there's so many different variables and wild like factors. It's one of those things where it's just like once you start like chopping out this or adding stipulations, then it just gets like really messy. Yeah. So I don't know. I, it's exciting. I'm, I think I think the original, you know, the idea is that one single creative team uh-huh. is is a concept, and and the people who set the bar for that were Stanley and Jack Kirby on Fantastic Four for those first 100 issues. Uh-huh. 
And so if your creative team is consistent, then I think that should be enough. See, that's and then that, that brings in the manga thing. It's like I'm sure they have the yeah. same. Like it's it's basically the artist is the writer, right? Like regardless of who does the backgrounds, like uh, Oda is the writer and the artist, and the artist and, exactly, and the character designer. It's not. I mean, it's not like the assistants are telling him to do anything, right? So it's one of those things where it's like, eh, mm. but. Anyway, that's a crazy huge tangent. We're off tangent. Yeah, Spawn's awesome. Should, I'm down Yeah, the, the issue was awesome. I'll give you that. It doesn't make me want to go back and read 257 issues of Spawn. But it does make me want to read the next bunch to see where what happens. I'll tell you what it does make me want to do. It does make me want to um, like just sort of like breeze through and see if there were like interesting arcs that I would like. Yeah, I mean, it, it might make me, you know ask somebody yeah like what are your favorite arcs of spawn i know they're all available on uh comiXology now so you digital you digital it's all tips <laughs> my fingers <laughs> well um i i just wanted to say it's super awesome i'm stoked i like to see it when eric like branches out and does other little things like this only because when you work on one book for so long um people write you off it's weird it's not considered an accomplishment. I mean, it's not like it's not considered, but I'm saying like people just tend to just not pay attention. If you're doing one thing successfully, like look at Chu when it comes to image titles, Chu has been going for 50 some issues. That's actually pretty monumental. It's yep. it's funny. Like people don't buzz about Chu the way they used to. Yeah. Chu used to be a freaking darling. People used to buzz about it, but what's so funny is Chu never misses deadlines and Chu is consistently good. The only thing that has hurt Chu is that it's just settled into its, uh, you know, it, Routine. It's, it delivers. Yeah, it just delivers consistently. So it's funny because you do have to do things like this, like jump outside of your comfort zone. And no, it's like nobody doesn't, nobody wants to see Eric stop doing Savage Dragon. No Savage Dragon fan wants him to do less Savage Dragon so he can do more Spawn. But at the same time, when he does stuff like this, like it's just headlines everywhere. Like people are like, oh, look at this. Yeah. Whereas if he continues to be excellent on Savage Dragon, like nobody's going to pay attention to that, which is weird. I bet, I bet if another creative team took over Savage Dragon, it would get a huge bump. Oh, it'd be it everywhere. Be absolutely depressing. It'd be the worst news in the history of the world. He should do what Todd McFarlane did and and, and use a pseudonym. <laughs> Just do it himself, but say it's somebody else. I don't think that we could convince people that it wasn't him. <laughs> this guy draws just like Eric. And well, that was weird when I found when when that news was breaking that that apparently he'd been writing under a pseudonym for like years. He did that because of uh, haters like me, dude. Teenage me. Yeah. People people were so down on him at that point. Like he had so much controversy. Right. And it was funny because people were like, this new guy's so much better than McFarlane. And he said in an interview that he was just dying laughing because it was him. And it was. Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the Spawn Resurrection Volume 1, which is apparently the arc that brought Al Simmons back. Uh -huh. And I'm on the fence about buying it because it's only $4 this weekend. <laughs> on Comixology. Gotta get that Black Friday, that Cyber Monday money. Mm -mm -mm. Which uh, this, it, it collects uh, one fifty one to two. I mean two fifty one to two fifty five, which puts you within striking range of where we are. Oh yeah. 
Well, hey, man. I mean, that's the thing is like I would actually now. It's funny. It does make me want to like, you know, jump back and, I, and grab a few issues. Just like, And I do like Paul Jenkins. Apparently he's co-writer on it. See, that's how it works. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm down. I'm down for it. as long. I'll tell you what. This is how I feel about this. It's all indeterminate. It's all up in the air. Everything. Every time they talk, they're like, definitely the the Satan Saga Wars question mark on anything else, but definitely a little more just question mark, right? So it's all up in the air. But I tell you, I would read this as long as they felt like doing it, right? Only because it's just such a juicy collaboration. I think their styles go together so good. I think it is going to be a really interesting series, but I got to see what the next issue has to really make that dis- dis- decision distinction. I think it'll bring it. I think it'll bring it. I, I got high hopes anyway. So, uh, geez, that wraps up uh, Spawn 258, huh? Yep. All right. I guess uh, there's nothing to do but take a glimpse at the future. Take a look at, take us home. Savage Dragon. Number 210, Trouble in Paradise. Malcolm and Maxine on their honeymoon in hell. (laughs) So, Tiki Gods attacking you on your honeymoon is a honeymoon in hell. Is it? I would assume so. If you look at the last panel of this uh, issue... Yeah, yeah, you can see the silhouettes. It looks like ninjas, though, doesn't it? They're kind of coming from up high. I thought their heads looked boxy enough to be tiki's. You think they're good? Oh, well, I'll give it. Yeah, I was just wondering if there was going to be more than just tiki's. Don't know, don't know. The guys in the foreground look like tiki's. Look at those dudes on the roof. Oh, I didn't see the ones on the roof. Yeah, the, the dudes in the roof don't look like tiki's. They look like, I don't know, like ninjas or like what the... The guys in the foreground look like tiki's. The guys on the roof, they don't look like... Uh, they look like... Uh, tiki's but i don't know i'm excited i'm i'm super jazz super jazz for more sav always jazz for savage dragon excited for spawn 259 i don't even think geez should we do the solicitation for that too if you got it gee let's uh, spawn 259 let's take a glimpse into the future <laughs> you know what i don't think that it is there maybe no I don't see any solicitation. We're not going to do it. So All right. just <laughs> uh, hold on. I got I got an idea. All right. No, it's not there either. Nope. Never mind. I my idea didn't work. <laughs> it, it, it's big. Uh, the big fist smashing into this. The Satan Saga Wars start there. Part one of four. So apparently this super slaughter wasn't even the start. <laughs> Just the prelude. It's just the play. Yeah. It says, oh, wait, solicits. Oh, we do have it. Oh, man. Okay, here goes. Wow, more more meat on these bones. Beginning the Satan Saga Wars, the four-part story chronicling the fate of Wanda Simmons' soul. Starting with this issue, Al Simmons will come face-to-face with Lucifer for the very first time. A battle of epic proportions will begin, and the prize is Wanda's soul. This story will forever change the way Spawn will live his life. So. Wait, he's not met Lucifer before now? I can't believe it, but according to the solicitation, they've never fought. I 
see, this is what's else bit driving me crazy <laughs> that that makes Spawn, you know, less interesting than Dragon. Okay, is that it's still the same guy. Uh-huh. He's still trying to get his wife back, and he's still got that big fucking uh, horse hoof. <laughs> Why does he have that big horse hoof? The big boot. The big horse boot. Yeah, the big boot. It was kind of a weird thing because, like, Spawn was dating Angela for a hot minute. Okay. So Angela, like, Angels had boots like that. Or I don't know if he was dating her, but he was, like, hooking up with her at least, right? Getting some tail on the sly or something. So he didn't have that to start? So, no, the, the, the big boot, his costume has changed, actually, a little bit over the years. So what you see is you see little design elements. So, like, the boot didn't look like that initially. It was just a big boot. And now the boot looks more like spawns, like equipment. So then the other thing that he didn't have is he didn't used to have the little like fist gauntlet. Uh, He didn't used to have a mouth on his costume. I mean, it's funny. If you look at the year one spawn, he looks pretty different. But uh, no, it's uh, spawn kind of is a character that has his costumes mutated over the years. Like he's he's changed a little bit. Here and there. It's always like these subtle tweaks, but yeah, the the Angel boot, I'm pretty sure that boot was from Angels. Maybe some Spawn fans can correct me. I don't care. I'm, if I'm wrong, that's cool. Let me know. I don't exactly know what I'm talking about. I, well, I have no idea what I'm talking about. So Even the little pouches. See how he's got the, uh, the sort of the image pouches around his like one thigh? Yeah. That's like a holdover from his Commando days. Like Commando Days. Because he used to be a Black Ops guy. Oh. Yeah, Spawn was in Black Ops before he was like a, you know, uh, sort of a, what do you call it? A Black Ops, like a CIA type. Oh, you mean Al Simmons was, a, a, or Spawn or Al Simmons? Al Simmons, was a yeah, Al Simmons. Oh, okay. Yeah, before he died. So it's like not just, you know how everybody in the image days, they're like the pouches are like a stigma. Well, like for him, it was like, you know, Bullets, ammo, knives, things like that. So it's kind of one of those things. But I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. It's interesting. I'm excited. Uh, He's not. Wanda hasn't been a thing all this time that I knew. Like, it seemed for a while like Spawn moved on with his life. And like, oh, well, you know, I died. My wife doesn't give a shit. She moved on pretty damn good. (laughs) She was with another guy and everything. Right. So it's kind of like, I think for a long time. I don't know why all of a sudden, like, that's why it's worth for me kind of jumping back in time a little bit just to see what was happening to lead up to this. Right. Because it seemed like to me, to my limited knowledge, that he was like eventually just sort of like, eh, well, fuck it. And like was just doing his own thing. I didn't know that he was still carrying a torch for Wanda after all these years. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll find out. Hey, you know, we, you got to imagine. And he remember... You're fighting the devil. Here's a guy that can make spawns. So. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. There's all kinds of interesting shit. You never know if there's going to be more vicious circle goons in there. I'm stoked. Well, if, if it becomes a, a series of spot the the VC goon, it, it's definitely going to be something for Savage Dragon fans to keep an eye on. I love the idea that they would die and go to hell when, yep. when in past issues they've treated the whole dragon going to hell thing as a fever dream oh well they didn't really um i believe in dragon the official rule is you get the you get the afterlife that you 
you you believe in when you die. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot. Well, uh, unless we unless we not we're not believing what God said. <laughs> well, remember, you know. And that when Dragon dies, he'll get nothing because he's an atheist. Leggy supermodels. Yeah. Like- <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I'm super jazzed. It was a super awesome show. I feel like, man, I'm looking at the time. Yeah. <laughs> we got to let this – we got to go. We got We got to get this out. We got to get this done. We got to get this baby done. I, I don't want you to be editing this for years. So uh, Years and years to come. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead. Do you want to – I mean, we pretty much did our random conversation earlier. So oh, yeah, we're done. Yeah, okay. We, 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 did, we did that. All right. When I was rambling about video games. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Please email us with your uh, interesting conversations. Let us know what you thought about the show. Let us know about uh, what you think about Spawn and the new direction. Yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah, we definitely want to hear from you. All right. Thank you, Jim. Good to have uh, you back. Good to, good to be back.